I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and you strike me as a woman who has never been satisfied. (laughs) And my name is Colin Drucker, and I'm just trying to figure out whatever happened to Peggy Schuyler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. what happened to Peggy? What happened to Peggy? Like, that's that's the show I need to see. That's the follow-up. But yeah, um, it's interesting you say that, actually, because I watched a video last night. It was like, I mean, there are so many interviews out there on the Internet now with the cast of Hamilton. But I think this was before it was even released on Disney Plus, And one of the like the uh, fan questions was what happened to Peggy Skyler mm-hmm. and Hamilton's a- Hamilton's answer. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Lin-Manuel. Yeah. <laughs> Lin-Manuel basically filled us in and said that um she married someone like super rich and died super young. So it's just like he said, if you don't survive act one, you don't get to be in act two. All right. Um, so that's the sort of timeline. And like another thing that I'm sure we'll say uh, multiple times on this podcast is like you only have so much story that you can tell mm-hmm. in two and a half hours, too. So there's a lot of stuff that like stones get unturned or don't get unturned what's the phrase i think there? we went you through this last week as well about stones unturned and oh, did we yeah. <laughs> still haven't resolved this one <laughs> that's okay that's okay but how are you colin how, how is your week going i'm good i'm good i my week has been good i feel like um not to bog us down with quarantine talk but i have gotten to the point where i am i am in a weird groove where i'm like yeah i got this i'm fine i'm Ooh, i'm not uh I, I don't feel like a caged animal i've uh I, i've adjusted and it's kind of an interesting when i try to pull back and look at it i'm like wow human beings as animals we just adapt yeah I, i'm kind of this week has just been a little wishy-washy for me i've, I've been a little up and down but i i know that feeling mm-hmm. that's kind of how i felt like at the beginning when i <laughs> I think I literally said on this podcast, I'm like, none of this affects me. I was like, wow, Nick, that's really, <laughs> really cool to say. But uh, of course, it affects everyone now. Um, but I, I'm feeling all right. I feel a little uh, stuck in like, as far as just like teaching and like teaching virtually, I've decided I was going to go back to the studio and teach mm. this upcoming Monday, but I decided against it because in Pittsburgh, there's a new sort of it's like it's called an order, but not a law that you should. It's like a very strong suggestion mm. that as soon as you leave your house, you wear a mask. And um, I can't teach voice lessons with people wearing masks either, too. So yeah. I just decided to stay at home. But like even that it like I know it's just all on me, but I, it feels stale. I feel like I'm not as energetic with my students, but I know that that's a lot of a lot of it's in my head. And then I actually had a really great day of teaching yesterday. So. There's that. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh it's complicated. Yeah. But we're we're moving forward. Yeah. I feel like it's it's a matter of ratios. It's like more good days than bad days. I yeah. you know, I've still had days where I'm just like, 
well, now what the fuck do I do with myself, you know? But Yeah, weekends, right? Oh, it's like... Uh, yeah, weekends, I just climb into that sauna blanket and I just wait till Monday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turn it up to a sensible 74. <laughs> totally. Oh, that was a great tweet. Yeah. Uh, this morning I had for breakfast, I'm about like 15 years late on the trend, but I had uh, overnight oats. Oh. For this... For the second time only. I've never made them. I, I knew they existed. It's a very Pinteresty sort of it is. white girl thing to do. And uh, But it's pretty good. I made a chocolate peanut butter uh, with a little bit of chocolate chips in there, too. It's not. It doesn't feel healthy. <laughs> I was going to say, it's God like, forbid it was healthy. <laughs> I know, yeah. I put, like, chocolate protein powder, you know, like the oats and the, the soy milk and uh, peanut butter, a little bit of honey. And the chocolate chips. Yeah. It's and a little bit of oatmeal. <laughs> a little bit of oatmeal. Just a tablespoon, right. you know. Right. Yeah. I um, and, and this is actually, there's, there's, I think this gives context for a lot of what I'll probably say in the episode today about Hamilton. But I, not to start out on like a, I don't know, quote unquote heavy note, but I oh, am, uh, I'm about three weeks sober right now. Okay. Yeah. Yay. A long time coming. I was a huge pothead. Um, yeah. I, I have not had a drinking problem since my 20s, but good God, did I have a drinking problem in my 20s. Um, but I've just <laughs> yeah. decided across the board to just cut everything out because in the past, when I've tried to like take a break from weed, all of a sudden I was like mixing Pinot Grigio and diet grapefruit soda and calling it a cocktail. Right. And it was like, yeah. girl. And like, I remember a couple years ago, I, like, I remember like doing that in the morning and I was like, okay. Okay, no, this is not better. Um, right. But I think I this was so, I did not expect to be able to do this in quarantine. I thought, oh, well, that's the last, op- you know, the last place I'm going to get sober is all alone in isolation in quarantine during a pandemic. But I, I don't know. I had wanted to for a while, and I finally, you know, figured it out. It took a lot of false starts. And, yeah. um, and it's been amazing. I fucking love it. I mean, you know. Ooh, I'm so excited for you. Yeah, I and so the reason I bring this up at the beginning is a because it's just like I think this probably happens for a lot of people who get sober. It's like it's all you can think about and yeah. want to talk about. But B, I am feeling everything. I am feeling wow. all of the emotions. Yay! All of them. And I thought that would freak me out, but it is. Um, it's great. It's, it's like, Ooh, boy, does crying feel good. And, oh, doesn't it? And so no better time, uh, for Hamilton to show up again in my life. But now when I'm feeling everything. Oh, great. I, I mean, yeah, I'm I, not, not to cut that conversation short too. I'm super excited for you. I think that that's, uh, a great choice. I am fully in full support of all of that. Thank you. Um, I would say there was something, uh, gosh, so many thoughts. Uh, you said Hamilton. Oh, I mean, one of the things that I I wanted to do this episode because I know that, but I also forgot that you hadn't, that you had seen it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you saw it on Broadway last year too. So there, of course, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but I, I want like a healthy, because Colin and I plan to talk about the show. We plan to, you know, talk about, I mean, there's, there are a lot more highs than lows mm. as far as like the show is concerned too. But I, I want to cover everything because I've been listening to a ton of podcasts and some people go in on the show and there's that whole thing coming up now about how this is not, you know, at the core of the show. These are all people of color playing white men who own slaves and there's like all this stuff coming up too. But it's like, I don't, 
it's not that I don't want to focus on that, but I don't think that's the that's not the right lens I want to look at this today mm-hmm. through. I mean, if we get there, fine. But um, I just want to concentrate on just the the sheer magnitude of this show, like the, how it affected the pop culture, as far as even just like theater cultural reset as they right, say right as the kids say but um i'm excited to talk about this too because i know you're a recent i should say like convert or sort of you're as rupaul would say you're coming out as a musical theater queen mm-hmm. i feel like company and i mean i know you the last five years in college there's always the last yeah five years. and i yeah <laughs> and i and i <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Um, is it really about a party, Kathy? Um, oh, <laughs> I totally. I feel like that is one of the things that when I first saw Hamilton and seeing it again, that really struck me and really moved me was the magnitude of this show mm-hmm. and just the like, like yeah. I mean, in every way, like it is just, it is just such a significant thing. And I, I totally mm-hmm. hear you. There's a lot of deeper critiques that you know a lot of folks are talking about i yeah we this podcast is about performances we are here to talk about yeah. you know how actors approach a role how they appear in a role the things they do that we love um the things that make someone a best supporting actress or this week yes best supporting actor as well considering yeah uh this will probably be the where are the women there, yeah, yeah where are the women yeah um so this will probably be the most men we ever talk about in one episode yeah. <laughs> it's true <laughs> best supporting true. podcast yeah. Um, yes, but it is. It is. Uh, that is certainly the lens I'm excited to talk about. Is just, uh, especially seeing the original cast. It was like you hear about these folks and you hear these names and you hear people just queening out about Philippa Sue and you're like, okay, but I don't. I mean, sure, yeah. And then you see it and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know. And so yeah. that's, um, you know, I not to say that the other conversations aren't important. It's just. This is the lens we take on Best Supporting Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Have you, so when you went to see In the Heights, had, uh, In the Heights, wow. I was, I, one of my questions is about In the Heights, which is why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> when you went to see Hamilton, um, had you listened to any of the soundtrack or were you just completely like a, I'll go see this because I know it's a hot ticket in town, but I'm not going to listen, I'm not going to prep for it. Mm. Like, what was your percentage of knowledge of the the soundtrack or anything well not the soundtrack but test recording i know that's a mistake I I sh- robbie roselle look away <laughs> don't look around don't look around <laughs> um yes. yeah i was like that's a mistake i should be making um but i, know, right? yeah. I, I think i because i'm i'm newer to this i'm very aware of that <laughs> and so sure yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> um i don't want to get canceled just as i've arrived to the culture but exactly um i the only song that i was familiar with uh deeply was satisfied um when i first you know dipped my little toe into hamilton i was like okay well where's my entry point where are the women and yeah so i i found that and i mean satisfied it was just like uh, indeed i was and it was great Mm -hmm. but i guess there was a part of me that was like okay well this i like but is i wasn't willing to like find out if this was um, the exception to the rule because I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't think I come across as someone who's a big hip hop and rap fan. 
I don't think any of that reads. Um, sure. So that would sure, be correct. Um, yeah. So I just thought, oh, I don't. This might not be for me, you know. And and most yeah. musical theater isn't. So musical theater plus rap and hip hop. It's like, yeah, I, this is olives and mayonnaise to me, baby. You know. So yes, olives and mayonnaise. <laughs> but um, indeed, I uh, I stand corrected. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you, and this is my next question about In the Heights, have you ever listened to or seen In the Heights at all? I, as, as for a show. No, I've lived in the Heights, but I have never, Oh, yeah, that's all one. I've got. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I, I've been to the bodegas, but I've never heard, okay. uh, I've never heard a lick of In the Heights. Got it. I would suggest it. I mean, it's, uh, it's also like a two disc sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like when I bought it on, I bought the CD many moons ago. Um, I was really excited for the movie i'm i'm very sad that we have to wait another year for Mm. it because i said this on squirrel friends this week but um they basically flip-flopped it they were supposed to release in the heights this summer and then hamilton wasn't supposed to be until october of 2021 which is such a long time away um but i'm i'm i said this last week on best this podcast is that i was just i'm so glad for that i'm so glad that lin-manuel has just i mean and the powers that be have chosen to release this for us now Mm. to just have it anytime we want like i can't tell you like i was i brushed my teeth last night and keon was just like in bed watching satisfied Mm -hmm. you know like the fact that you could just pull it up on your phone and just have like a little bit of like a like a religious experience because that's what that's what i went through when i was watching this Uh, but we'll get to it later yeah um like it's so nice yeah i agree i think being able to revisit the micro moments and like there's like little acting choices like oh i just need to see you do that again um, yeah. So now my question to you is what previous to this, like what was your Hamilton experience? Yeah. Excellent question. Um, so I queened out pretty hard. I would say not initially, like I knew it was out, but I didn't go out and buy the CD because once you're like removed from New York, especially like as an actor, like my, my homepage used to be like playbill.com mm-hmm. to look for jobs and news and like musical theater. Um, so I knew it existed. I, I knew people were talking about it. I loved In the Heights. I, I really love In the Heights a lot, too. I don't know if I like it more than Hamilton, but it's it's apples and oranges at this point, too. But um, um, so I, I bought the two disc sound tr- or cast <gasps> recording. Jeez, jeez. Oh, my goodness. Um, I know. I know. <laughs> um, and then I just kind of listened to it like I could not stop listening to mm-hmm. it. And specifically disc one, which is like all the women's songs and but and also just because act two is like heavy mm. like how many times have i been driving in my car listening to quiet uptown and just sobbing oh. uh yeah it's it's but also it's like really cathartic i would listen to it like on my drive home from work like late at night mm-hmm. and i would just like have a good cry and it would be uh, incredible um but yeah i i i i don't have all of it memorized. There's no, I mean, you can. I mean, a lot of my students that are in middle school and high school right now do have it memorized, sure. which I think is fascinating that this is kind of, I don't think it's necessarily a kid's show, but a lot of kids know it, like, and really know it. Um, and I think if I was a young musical theater kid that I, I would certainly latch onto it, and that's certainly why I, I still did. Um but I really liked it, and I, I saw a bootleg of, of it on YouTube. Okay. And I don't know if it was the original cast, to be honest. It was, like, maybe a year or two ago. Um, but I'd never seen it on stage, so this was my first time ever seeing it on stage. And I was uh, I was really excited. I think it felt like I was going to the theater, even though Keon and I were just, like, laying in bed, like, with our little AC on in the corner mm-hmm. and, and it humming away. And we got, like, 
some snacks. Uh, it was just a really great experience, but uh, we'll, we'll get into it as we talk about it too. One question I have is, I mean, I had this experience a little bit with Satisfied, especially seeing obviously a different cast when I saw it on Broadway. You know, you hear, especially if you listen to a cast recording repeatedly, you get the nuances of that kind of burned in. And then you see yeah. a different version where, it, it, you know, it, it's either a different actor or that actor is is kind of doing it a different way that night. I mean, there's versions of that, you know, there's examples of that even in this where it's the original cast. And if you listen to the original cast recording versus watching it, you can see, oh, oh, you did it this way that night. Um, yeah. Does that throw you off when you then see it? You're like, oh, that's not how I either pictured it or how I know it to be, you know? Sure. Yeah, I, I would agree. There are some things that. I picture like the, the like the pure adrenaline of doing a cast recording knowing I, I would imagine this is how I would picture like if I was the music director, I would say like, OK, guys, go all out, like sing it the way you want to sing it. But know that this is like going to be immortalized. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's it's in it's in cement here. It's like you can't do some crazy high note, make a choice because people are going to expect that every time you see it Mm -hmm. too so i think there's like a little bit of consistency you have to like anticipate when you are in in that cast recording situation too but yeah i mean there i think it works for the better and i think it works like against i can't think of anything that i saw maybe as we talk about it that i was like oh he didn't do it the way i wanted him to Mm -hmm. or she didn't do it the way i wanted him to uh to do it but uh the, the one that sticks out to me it's uh Anthony Ramos, who played uh, John Lawrence, when enduring satisfied, he's like, "All right, yes. all right, that's what I'm talking about." Like it was at a ten, but I kind of loved it because he's wasted. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah, that was one of my favorite examples of that. I knew that so yes. well from that song and, and from yeah. the recording, and then seeing the movie version, I was like, "Oh, I love this. I love how yes. more performative it is." And we'll probably talk about it more later, but I'll just say this. I think if you only had listened to the original cast recording and you heard the last song, but you didn't know the actual ending. Oh, that ending. I mean, oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> I don't I can't even talk about it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, talk about a moment I replayed over the gasp, the gasp, and, the gasp heard around the uh, world. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, it just, mm. and I loved, I mean, how could they put that on the soundtrack to begin with? It would be so, strange yeah. to hear that and you'd be like what but i love that that after like knowing the soundtrack and not seeing the show and not knowing that that even happened that the show can still surprise you in that mm-hmm. way and and in like the best possible way i thought of oh i just thought of um this is very specific but i thought of someone who did it a different way than the soundtrack and it actually i think it was a little bit detrimental because it didn't get as big of a laugh as um uh, when Burr comes at the very end, it's like it's the story of tonight right after Satisfied mm-hmm. and all the the guys. And then the guys have that like incredible, like sexual sort of like hip thrusting moment where I'm just like, I mean, the men in this show, it's just. Too oh, much. I know. Um, <laughs> oh, I know. And then Aaron Burr shows up. It's right before De- Dear Theodosia. And um, he comes in and everyone's like, oh, Burr, blah, blah, blah. And Lafayette has to say, you are the worst, Burr. But the way he says it on like in on the soundtrack on the cast recording is very 
you are the worst, Burr. He says it like that, but he goes, you are the worst, Burr. He like kind of mm. pitches it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was like waiting for that. I And, and Keon didn't laugh as hard because I thought that was a funny line, but it kind of got lost in translation. But people who know that it's there know that it's there. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, fine. You could, that's, that's fine. But I wish it was, uh, I wanted that to hit more, I guess. I know what you mean, yeah. <clears throat> I think especially like comedic moments, like those like yeah. tiny beats where the inflection makes or breaks the joke mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. if that gets kind of ingrained from the recording then when you see any variation on it, it's like oh you know i i mean i feel yeah I, i've felt that with um i mean obviously i have a limited range of musical theater references but like there are so many notes in ladies who lunch that elaine stritch yes. does where i'm like that's the only way to do it yeah it's the only way tough. and even like yeah. i saw a recording of her there's this amazing video on youtube i don't know what the context is but it's just it's probably from like the 80s. It's Elaine Stritch in her classic white men's shirt yes. against a black background, just facing the camera, singing Ladies Who Lunch. It's so good. But I feel like there's even seeing her do it slightly differently. I was like, oh, but like there's that way you overpronounce Ladies Who Lunch towards the end that you need to do because that means everything to me, you know? Yes. Um, but it is what it is. Um yeah. So all that to be said, obviously, we are discussing the BSAs of Hamilton this week. Mm. Um, Can't wait. Very exciting. Yes, this is our first musical theater episode on Best Supporting Podcast. Maybe not our last, you know. Yeah, one of many, hopefully. Um, I, uh, and, and, you know, worth noting that indeed there will be some men on the list, but I think that they deserve it. Um, and there weren't enough ladies. We have the opposite of the problem from Drop Dead Gorgeous last week, where it was just too many ladies. Yes, we're spoiled. We're spoiled. And we're, we're setting it up very similarly to that episode where it's like kind of a top five situation with some runners up. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time with this, especially with these men. There's a lot of men that I really love in this show. Um, but we'll get to it. Yeah. So... How many runners up do you have, Colin? Is it like, is it one or two? Is it three? Is it seven? Who knows? I say, I think I have two. I had one that I wrote down, but then I kind of added one last minute. So I have two runners up and then I've got my five. Okay. Ooh, I have three. So maybe I'll start mm-hmm. real quick too with this. Um, I want to say that uh, one, my first runner up is Anthony Ramos as John Lawrence um, slash Philip Schuyler. Mm-hmm. He is also going to be playing Usnavi in In the Heights, the the film version of In the Heights. Um, it's like interesting how one of the things I really love about the lore of Hamilton is just <clears throat> that like Lin-Manuel just hi- I wouldn't say just hires his friends. He hires his talented friends. Um, but I, I love that he always looks out for people because uh, I think Christopher Jackson definitely falls in that category. He plays George Washington. Um, but I feel like the story behind Anthony Ramos is like he just Lin-Manuel just like saw him in a random show one time mm. like in Brooklyn or something like that and just the lines are blurred and I can't really remember the full story. But I, I just love shit like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that just to see how far this guy has come and now he's going to be starring in the heights which is incredible and i don't know if you know this as well but um anthony ramos and uh jasmine cephas jones who plays peggy are an item they're together oh yes. okay good. i did not know oh, okay. that no. yeah you were nodding your head like you did oh okay, no, cool. no yeah. i was i did not know that oh how do you like that a little yeah a little showman man <laughs> yes. oh boy um well, he's one of my runners up as well. I yes, um, okay, great. And he was my last, like my late addition. Uh, I realized, yes. like rewatching again, I think, you know, usually 
either an adult playing a child or a child in a show is never going to get recognized by me. I don't, I I, I have child blindness, not interested, but I think there's something about how he does it. That is, uh, especially that one, uh, part where he's like, you know, uh, there's that. And then there where he's like performing for his father. I think, yes. Um, and, and forgive me, Hamill fans. If I don't get all of the song names, correct. Or all the moments, correct. I am, I am dancing as fast as I can to catch up. So I'm going to be leaning on you a bit to correct me where I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I'll pull up the Spotify list yeah. because there are even some ones for me that I, especially in Act Two, where it's I'm, I'm familiar with Act Two, but I don't I don't sing that stuff on my. If I don't sing it on my car, I probably don't know it mm. as well. But go ahead. Well, so that works out well because I love Act Two, which is probably no surprise. Ooh, it's loaded with grief, yeah. you know. It's sadder. <laughs> it's heavier. Uh, I fucking love Act Two. Uh, yes, but uh, that I I just really I feel like he nailed that. There was something really sweet about how he played Philip, and obviously it lends a lot of sort of emotional weight to when his character dies. And we get that scream. Oh, we'll get to her. Jesus oh, Christ, Philippa! I know, I know. Uh, but one of the things, that, one of the new, it's uh, that song is "Take a Break," yes. where um, and it's the under mm-hmm. uh, But he, when he does that rap, it's so there is like childlike quality. It's like it's like teenager at that point, even though he's like supposed to be playing a nine year old. But like it works. Like he's just. I think that um, he's like, my father's trying to start the first national bank. It's like, un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq. And then he like screams, but he does this like power pose mm-hmm. at the end of it. That is so perfect. Yeah. And then he runs off stage. And you could tell that like Lin-Manuel, it's a genuine laugh there too at how ridiculous he's being, which I love. I think that they're all a bunch of goobers too off stage, which I love. Mm. Um, and uh are super funny to watch but i i just really like him i think he has a beautiful voice um i i just think in real life he has so much going for him now too that i'm i'm so excited to see in the heights a year from now but also uh i just like him i appreciate him yeah in the show. yeah i agree so that's yeah i thought he runner was up for me. Uh, agreed a, a strong runner-up um, how about you go uh, with your next runner-up sure so my other runner-up would be christopher jackson as george washington Okay. Um, I and again, normally it's like, oh, a man. And the moment that won it for me was uh, the way he ended one last time. Oh, I mean, and talk about a moment that was so much bigger than on the cast recording. I felt yes. like, I mean, there was that point where it's, I was like, I don't know if George Washington is crying or Christopher Jackson is crying. I'm crying. Yeah, it was just so powerful, and he has such an amazing voice. And what I love about it, and you know, uh, using non-technical terms, there's something the way he holds a note that isn't quote-unquote perfect, but it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's I a strained it. quality that actually makes mm-hmm. it more interesting. Um, sure. He's, I mean, to use an early 90s reference, he, it's very John Cicada. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's like all I can think of. Sure, And it's sure. just, it feels, I think that that's what I enjoyed or what I enjoy about musical theater or the moments in musical theater that I enjoy is when it gets rough around the edges. Um, yeah. And that's probably why I love the and I moments in last five years. Yes. Be- it's almost like a break, almost like she's about to cry. Yeah, yeah. I love when a voice breaks, you know? And yes. so I don't need, I don't need a, a perfect rounded kind of voice. I want it to be a little, uh, a little rough, a little stretchy. And I think yeah. that he just at that moment, and then when I once that moment kind of got its claws in me, then rewatching it again, I was like, God, I just 
he's such great stage presence. I think he's such a perfect, like, he's perfect casting for this role. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, he, I just uh, loved him, but that moment, was spitting. I was, I, yeah, I, I just, uh, I think he was just so powerful in this. Uh, he's actually on my list, Great. so I'm going to save my thoughts, but he's definitely, um, I, I don't know the complete history between him and Lin-Manuel, but I know they're super close. Mm-hmm. And like, I think I've, I've heard um, Lin-Manuel say like anytime <clears throat> that he writes a show, like Christopher Jackson will always have a job. Mm-hmm. He will always have like a part in that show, which I love. I just think that their friendship goes back it's like the the roots run deep with those two mm-hmm. which i i really love and appreciate because i love when people just look out for another uh for each other too in that sort of regard yay i'm excited to talk about christopher yeah. jackson in a bit um my i'm gonna go through these next two fairly quickly surprisingly enough i know this might be controversial but one of my runners up is jasmine cephas jones as peggy and um mariah reynolds okay and I don't think that the, it's not really like any shade. It sucks because Philippa Sue and Renee Elise Goldsberry, it's like they just have more to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, like, I think that like she finds her way. She finds a way to like make herself like they shell they shell. They sell T-shirts that just say and Peggy. And I see so many of my students wearing that. I think that's like such a great little leaning into like the power of like a small role yep. and just one line and like the, the, the fact that you can have that big of an impact with just and peggy like it's funny enough but like i think you also have to have someone who uh will bring that out and make it real and give it some life to mm-hmm. I, just i know for a fact I, I shouldn't say i know for a fact but i think i suspect that jasmine cephas jones is not as much of a theater kid as the rest of the cast too, which is also fine Mm -hmm. because I know that a lot of these people have never like Davi Diggs had never done musical theater either. So I can't say that like, you know, Jasmine Cephas Jones is like an outsider or anything like that. But, um, I, I, I would just, I, I don't even know if that's like a justification for putting her on the outside of everything too, but because I do love, uh, say no to this. I think that song is incredibly sexy the way that she sings it. And like she, her voice is like, velvet butter Mm. it's like it's just so powerful and i think maybe that number would have hit more with me if it wasn't like a disney plus Mm. situation Mm -hmm. and i don't know if there's like more bumping and grinding on stage than maybe what we saw or maybe that is what it is every night too but i picture it a bed i picture it a bed like when she uh when she goes she's like stay he's like hey and then she says, hey, and I, I wanted like a fan kick of her legs just like uh-huh, opening. Right. You know what I mean? I wanted something like that. But it's it's also fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did see there was one of the, you know, the additional features on Disney Plus that had the interview with like mo- a lot of the cast. And yeah. um, and she she had mentioned she had no musical theater experience before this was. Oh, okay, and good. so um, she's on my list. Uh, yes. But I think, you know for me that's i think what was exciting was like oh you don't feel like musical theater to me and yet you're here doing musical theater and you're like uh totally just like uh, changing my idea of what musical theater could be um yes but i'll save my thoughts when we get to her on my list yeah Yeah. Uh, awesome i do love her though and it's hard not to put like the third woman not on the list i really struggled yeah but i but i still wanted to give her um a little moment there um 
my this is like this is where I started to really split hairs here because in in many ways he is on, he was on the list and then I took him off and then I put him back on and then I took him off but this is um okay so his real name is Okiriete Onaldoan but everyone calls him Oak, Oak yes. and he's the guy who plays Hercules Mulligan mm-hmm. slash um Madison Madison yes 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 I think I am like in love with this man like I am so smitten by him and this is definitely probably like in my top three roles of like oh i'm so glad i get to see what you do in this show Mm -hmm. rather than listening to it because you're giving me so many like tossing the flowers during the wedding scene Mm -hmm. uh for during satisfied i love that he gets the moment in act two where um right after quiet uptown when um jefferson says can we get back to politics and then he says please and he's dabbing his eye like Mm -hmm. i i just love that um Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I, you, I, I'm blanking on what it was, uh, which feature it was. It's one of the features on Disney Plus, but he's one of the folks that gets interviewed. And uh, that's where it really jumped out to me of like, oh, I want to be Mrs. Oak. I'm oh, you're, like, oh, look. I mean, and what's really charming is there's a there's a moment where uh, uh, Philip Sue is talking. I think because they're, they're talking about things in kind of the context of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Philippa Sue is sort of talking about that, and and uh, I think she's talking about just uh, getting people getting energized to you know be a part of change, and then he, you know, kind of says, well, you know, like thanks her for bringing it up. He's like, oh, sometimes I like forget that I forget like it's so I get so caught in being angry and upset, and I forget that there is also a place to be energized. And he calls her Pips. He's like, so thanks, Pips. I appreciate I that. No, and I just thought, oh, that is, oh, like. You too. Yeah. yeah, I just want to see. Yeah. I just want them to hang out yeah. in a dressing room and see what they like. Right. The videos that they make behind the scenes. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, that sounded. Call me by her uh, name. I just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so charming. Yes. And I feel like out of the core group of like four men that he has the most like swagger. Like he is the one who I watch the most when they do that hip thrusting mm-hmm. moment. Cause I feel like he starts it with, um, with, uh, Lafayette and I'm just, uh, in love with him. And I think he has, he's like a gentle giant sort mm-hmm. of, uh, sort of energy too. He was also in, I don't know if you ever heard of Natasha Pierre and the great comet of 1812. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. People in, in theater, people call it great comet. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, that's a long, it is. I'll accept yeah. that. I'll accept that. Yeah, that's yeah. So like, Oh yeah, she was in great comet. <laughs> <laughs> they call it 12. <laughs> Just abbreviate. <laughs> uh, I guess, like, I don't know what that abbreviation would be. Like, Pierre, um, Natasha. I mean, I I get comment. Like, I'm not. I, I'm I'm such a I'm such a crab about it. But I get it. It's like, yeah, you gotta call. You gotta abbreviate that. So I guess great. Yeah, it's like makes spelling sense. bee. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's such a long name to begin with, too. Um, but I I love that. That's something <laughs> that like grinds your gears. Totally. I love that. <laughs> Um, but um, but Oak also had he was in the um, he replaced Josh Groban in that show. It's basically like a musical version of War and Peace. Mm-hmm. There's some really great music in there, and I think uh, I was watching that thing yesterday on YouTube uh, that Philippa Sue was also in it as well. But I think she just did, or maybe she like replaced someone. I would love to hear her sing one song and i'm assuming she probably was that role um but i just love that that's kind of uh, a through line with some of the lore of casting and and kind of knowing each other beforehand mm, too yeah uh but i love him i i just think he's great i love his rap in the battle of yorktown 
where where they go Hercules Mulligan, and then they, he just like goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I love his uh, energy when he raps. He feels like so genuine and so like there's like grits, and I, mm. I love it. But he's also like a softy. That's the yeah. So those are my thoughts. All right, yeah. Those are my. That's my final runner up. Did you do your final? You did. You I did. Mine were just the okay. two. So this is good. We're okay. gonna have some variations on our list, much like Drop yes. is Gorgeous. Um, yeah. Now, not to create more suspense to our lists, but I maybe before we get into our top five, yeah. I know you had some thoughts that I was hoping yeah. you'd share because I think I share them. Okay. So, yeah, our thoughts, very ominous there, but I, I, I know where you're mm. going. I think that um, you'll probably find, I can assume, that Lin Manuel is not on either of our lists, I would say. Maybe he is. Nope, Maybe nope. I'll be surprised. Okay, no surprises cool. here. You're correct. And this is this is something that I will say about Lin Manuel. Like, like to just start, I'm not gonna shit on mm. him at all because he one he wrote two of my favorite shows in musical theater history, in, in, in the Heights and this show too. It's like the I think what really like just struck me as I was watching this, even though I've listened to it so many times, is like one person wrote all this. Yeah. I know he had help. I know he had help orchestrating as far as just that. But like as far as the words and everything, everything that's coming out of everyone's mouth came from his brain, which is, I don't even know what word to use to describe that. Like so many people throw around the word like genius and I agree with that too, but it's uh, it's next level. He changed the game and has forever changed the game of musical theater and I think we owe him so much for that. Um, but with that being said, here's here's what I have to say. I, I heard this on a podcast, so these are um, not my words, but I, I really agreed with it too. It's like, if Lin-Manuel showed up to audition for Hamilton, he would never get this part. Yeah. Uh, not in a million years. Um, I think that he has a certain amount of swagger and a certain amount of sex appeal. I think he's adorable. I think he's an attractive man. Like, I... I wouldn't kick him out of bed. I, I feel, but also I would be very, very interested to watch someone else play Hamilton and to see how that affects the, I, I don't think it would affect the whole tone of the show, but when I see Lin-Manuel up there too, it's like, it. I don't think he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't belong. He keeps up with everyone too, but I, I when he... Uh, when he sings, he gets the job done as well, too. Is it, is it exceptionally good? Not really, but it's it's also, like, I know that as I'm saying this, too, it's like he wrote the show. He could do whatever he wants, and I fully support himself, like, casting himself in the show. I would do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I would definitely do the same thing. So I'm not going to take that away from him. I like him as Usnavi better than Alexander Hamilton. That's, like, my... Uh, Lin-Manuel sort like I think he is Usnavi and that's probably why that role works so well for him and he's not he's been nominated for Tony's for both shows and hasn't won for like lead actor at all Um, but those are my opening thoughts Mm -hmm. how about you Colin what do you think of Lin-Manuel in this role or just self-casting what do you what do you think I mean I think um he he was not my inter I mean I agree with everything everything you said up front in terms of I cannot believe that he wrote this. I cannot believe he is, uh, his name will go on the list with Sondheim and everyone else of like mm-hmm. folks who changed the game in musical theater and in theater in general. Like it, it, it's just, it's really incredible. And I, um, I have nothing but praise for that. And I think, yeah, uh, it, it is this show. I mean, the magnitude of his show, when you realize that he is at the heart of, of like, I mean, 
just like incredibly complex lyrics and like some moments of just genius uh, that I mean I just uh, it's like wow you are incredible yeah the wordplay the yeah, wordplay consistent and it's just it's really I mean wow um I think as an actor what stood out to me he had this sort of like sitcom dad quality in the role mm. like I kept thinking oh this is what it would be like if Alexander Hamilton was played by Ray Romano like <laughs> like <laughs> I sort of get that know? I sort of get that sure um, sure and I and it's it's being harsh but it just that was kind of what was reading he sometimes plays I think what that I, what I mean by that is he he would tend to play broader notes than some of the other folks like he yeah he had a couple of winks to the audience or a couple of like mm-hmm he kind of puts like the italicies on the joke or, you know, puts the exclamation on like, there's that moment where he says to George Washington, let's go. And it just felt so like, Oh, is this where I'm supposed to laugh? Like when he's like, should I be secretary of state or treasury? And I don't, yep. whatever that moment I was, it. I just was let's like, go. Yeah, yeah. It just felt like, don't make sure I'm laughing, you know? Ooh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. And so uh, then there are other moments, you know, where I think he, you know, especially like Quiet Uptown, where I think he really, you know, expressed some really genuine emotions and like that part where he just like doubles over and starts crying is really beautiful and really powerful and really raw and and doesn't feel performative. And so he has lots of great moments, but I think there was, there's something, there's a tone and there's a an approach that everyone else seems to be taking that feels a little more finessed. Mm-hmm. than he does and you see this certainly in um the, the uh blanking what it is but it's that like basically rap battle between jefferson and hamilton oh the cabinet, the cabinet battle, battle like cabinet battle number two and or, yeah. and just i mean i think that's a great opportunity to sort of compare uh david diggs to lin-manuel and how each of them approaches that and it's like it's just obvious it's just obvious like one person it just you know fits perfectly and lin-manuel is keeping up Sure. Um, the one, I will say this, um, regardless of all the things that we're sort of and saying about Lin-Manuel too, is that um, I don't really love, and I, I also, there's two sides to this coin. It's like, I can't imagine as an actor and as someone who wrote the show getting to sing this beautiful music, like just the moment of like being in quiet uptown mm-hmm. and like having like, the, isn't this like, just like looking at Philippa Sue and getting to sing in her every night, I would just be sobbing in her face as well. I get mm-hmm. it. But there, there is that sort of, um, I just like remember one time I was in a show and it was our last show. Um, it was a couple of years ago. And there are, of course, there were like sad moments in the show and, and my director very like calmly, but forcefully said like and it was very quickly she's like and by the way do not cry no one is paying you like no one is paying to see you like cry on stage as you sing your song like just she didn't say keep it together but like it was it's just all that needed to be said Mm -hmm. because i but like christopher jackson did it perfectly like he held it in exactly until like he couldn't anymore which was the end of the song Mm -hmm. and I, i i've heard even um Oh, what's his name? Ben Platt and Dear Evan Hansen has found like miraculously. Uh, I don't know how he found this, but he is able to like cry and sing at the same time, which I don't know how you do. Yeah. But with Hamilton, there, there's that sort of like woofy sort of like voice that he gets. He's yep. like, look at where we are. It's like that sort of and I'm like, oh, 
I know what you're doing and I know that you're it's 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 letting it, it's hard. It's super hard. Like it's like you walk to the edge of like, I'd rather see you not cry or try to hold it together than actually like cry. Mm-hmm. But also that song is so sad. And I, I know why he's doing it, because it's just a beautiful song and the emotion just like washed over him and he let it happen. So great but also i i wish that it was more clear because i would have much rather saved that moment for the the breakdown Mm -hmm. because he can do it then like the song is over by then like when like during the forgiveness part Mm -hmm. which wrecks me every time um i don't know it's it it's something it's like when rupaul cries it's like it takes me out of the moments um uh it's it's just like a weird sort of cry uh, those are my thoughts, but yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I think that's a, it's an interesting idea of like <clears throat> crying through a song or crying in a performance. I mean, for as much as I, I love talking through tears and I think it is, mm-hmm. uh, and you, and you can do it and it can really inform a performance. I think from when it comes to a song, like there's so much more precision that's necessary. There's so much more like you got to hit a certain note, you know, mm-hmm. and there's probably certain situations where, I don't know. Like I think about one of my favorite like moments of, and I don't, I'm not like an American Idol fan, but I saw sure. on YouTube, I think it was like the, one of the last episodes oh. of American Idol when Kelly Clarkson comes back yes. and she's piece by piece, piece by piece and she's pregnant and she starts to cry. Oh my God. It's amazing. Yeah. But it's like in that moment, there's a lot that's informing that, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I think that like in that moment, I totally accepted it. I was like, this is making the song better. This is, this yeah. is great. But I think in a show, you know, where it's like, you know, an eight nights a week kind of show, it's like you, I, you, I think the, the more powerful choice is to not start crying, but almost start crying. And like, it's almost like that's all the audience needs. They'll take it from there, you know? Yeah. And it's like if it was if he hadn't wrote the show, would we give him such a permission slip or would we give him more for a permission slip to do whatever he wants? I don't know. I, I, I think like overall, it's like I'm so conflicted because like just, yeah, you you deserve this cry. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But it's also like but I still want you to like follow the rules a little bit. Mm-hmm. I still want you to like give us a little, then take it away and then really let loose with like the forgiveness line too. That's just, those are two moments that like, or that that's one moment where I was really like, come on, you're taking me out of this just a little bit too. Mm-hmm. And I think I, but, uh, he's still a genius yeah. and I, I love him yeah. a lot. I still so. feel like an asshole for saying any of this. Because Same. He's yeah. So Cause ge- I know he's like yeah. a great guy and I, I just, um though if we had to critique something it's like it's it's just that and and we're not alone in this it's like when when you and johnny were talking about critiquing um shea coulee's runway outfits it's like it's like we feel like we can't Mm -hmm. critique those people because they have this sort of um i don't know reputation slash uh you know untouchable quality about Mm -hmm. them too and i think that they do and i mean us talking about Lin, he's gonna be fine. Everyone, oh, yeah. Lin Manuel's gonna be just fine. He's not gonna listen to this. He doesn't care what <laughs> yeah, we it's think. Fine. <laughs> um, I, he's heard worse. He's on Twitter. He's certainly heard worse. Yeah, of course, um, of course. But I think yeah, it's fair to be like yeah, you know, as, as one of our one of our Marys had emailed us because we were struggling about Shea Coulee, and she said, well, you can just say you're not responding to it. That's what I guess they say on 
she, that's what Tim Gunn says on Project Runway. He's like, I'm not responding to this look. And I just was Ooh. like, that's it. I'm not responding to it. Um, yeah. That's fair. Um, what is it from Arrested Development? I don't understand it, and I'm not responding to it. And I won't respond to it. <laughs> I don't understand the question, and I refuse to answer it. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> Plater platter, she says. <laughs> oh, Lucille Bluth. Yeah. It's, she's uh, incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, I would say, so, okay, good. We got our feelings out on um, yes, um, Lin-Manuel. I would say, because we kind of, we talked a little bit about Quiet Uptown, that if I were to add anything else to my runners-up list, I mean, I, I did, you know, do a little bit of reading about this, of some of the instruments and, and influences, you know, in the music. But in, especially in Quiet Uptown, they use a hammered dulcimer. Do you know what that is? Mm. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, I do, yeah. It has a little bit more of like a, a striking sort of pingy yeah. fit too, yeah. And I, I was like, I've never heard this used in, in like a musical. Yeah. And it and it's so powerful it's just like yeah. that once that starts i'm done i'm like oh oh yeah I'm done. as soon as i hear the yeah i'm i'm done because that like the scream overlaps that too mm-hmm. because oh god yeah oh all right well let's get to this list let's get to the list so <laughs> um these are our, our Five to one, our nominees, and I guess really winner for the BSA of, of Hamilton, if, we, if we're going to go there. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I'm excited. So okay. my number five is Jasmine Cephas-Jones. Okay, good. Um, yes. I, I think the, and I, everything you're saying is totally true. She's not given as much to do as the other ladies. It's a much, you know, both of the roles as Mariah and Peggy are much smaller. I think what jumped out to me for me, it's almost like the Beatrice Strait Award. It's like you showed up, you had one part of one song, and it was like everything stopped. Like when she starts singing to Alexander Hamilton in, uh, what's it called? Uh, oh, uh, no to this. No to this. No to yes. This, yeah. Forgive me, audience. That's okay. Like the quality of her voice, the way she approaches the song, like the, the it's like from deep in her chest. I was like, oh my yeah. God. I, I want to hear more musical theater like this. It's just so... It's so unaffected and yet fully performed. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel it just, I was just so blown away. And I thought, wow, the that whole thing about, you know, a BSA is kind of like using, like, how she uses the time, you know, on stage and, and what she does with it. Yeah, maximizing. Maximizing yes. the potential. I felt like yes. she just maximized the potential of that moment. and it And it made her as indelible to me as you know a lot of the other larger roles and so just for that for like 45 seconds of singing in the beginning of you know in her part of that song yeah. i was like holy shit <laughs> yeah it's she's a powerhouse i was really sad that the the one moment where it modulates and she hits that crazy high note and she just like screams basically but it's beautiful it's like there was this weird angle with the turntable where it was like a straight line and Hamilton was near the front and she was in the back and I they just missed her mm. and I would have just liked to to have got that moment but uh we didn't get it. We heard it, but it wasn't like I wanted I want to see that moment yes. too at the same time. Yeah. Um interestingly enough, I found this out on uh one of my favorite podcasts of all time, How Is Your Week with Miss Ju- uh, Miss Julie Clauser. Um, but I guess Sondheim went to see Hamilton and that was his favorite song in the show. Oh, isn't that interesting? Wow. Oh, that's so, yeah. Because there's just so much in this show that I feel like is, I know. Yeah. And maybe I stand corrected to say like one of his favorite Mm -hmm. songs in the show, but 
Um, but that was one that like stuck with him and he told Lin-Manuel that, and Julie Klausner made like a joke about like Sondheim just being horny, of course, yeah. and, and it made me laugh because uh, she's incredible. Right. Uh, Best supporting Julie. So yeah. Yeah. Ugh, Julie. Okay. Uh, my number five is Jonathan Groff. Okay. Um, we haven't talked about him yet too. And I know Jonathan Groff has sort of become this like... He's like the poster child for like gay, white, cisgender male. He's like the perfect mm-hmm. man. You know what I mean? And there's a lot. It's like, and for that reason, I, I do have to check myself every once in a while because I'm like, oh, Jonathan Groff because blah, blah, Jonathan blah. Barf. But, <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Barr. <laughs> Jonathan Groff. Like, I don't know. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Jonathan, get off me. <laughs> That's from Clue. That's Mrs. White. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I I have to like cats and I know like the main thing that I I'm referring to as of as of late that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way was Jonathan Groff was um, cast as Seymour Crowborn in the off Broadway production of Little Shop, right. which is a travesty because the, Seymour is he's not a Seymour, no. he's just not, he's just not like in the character description it says like shorts stocky maybe like and it says and maybe even balding or and balding or something like that too Mm -hmm. which jonathan groff is none of those um but what jonathan groff is at the end of the day too and i and i forget and when i'm reminded of it it really is um i do have to just say like yeah he's a really great actor um I will say, like, I'm saying this in, like, the realm of, like, I mean, this is a tangent here, but, like, did you watch all of Looking, or did you watch some of it? I think I saw, like, a little bit here and there, and then I was okay. just, like, this doesn't make me feel good about myself, <laughs> so I stopped <laughs> yeah, watching exactly. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was some of the critiques from that show, too, is just, like, there's a lot of beautiful men, beautiful white men just doing their thing. And there was a little bit of diversity, but not enough. So, uh, but that's for another podcast. Um, but I really liked him in that show. Like just him as an actor and how natural he is on screen too. I haven't watched mind Hunter. I know that's a show he's in on Netflix and obviously he's in frozen. Um, but with this, I was most impressed with his singing. Mm-hmm. I, that song, I have tried to sing that song in the shower, in the car, in my bedroom, like when Keon's not home, just to kind of see if I could hit those notes. It is hard. It is a hard song to sing. And the way that it sits, like, um, what is it? It's like, da 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 da, and you can't go on. That's sort of high part mm-hmm. of there. It's crazy. It's like G's and E's. I know you don't speak music, but that's okay. And it's like, but it's 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 super high. So the fact that he can stand there and just deliver this song without really showing really much of like effort at all is is that's what really struck me with this too. And like. It, I don't know what I expected to get from King George. Like I knew that once I heard there was a little bit more understated, I I would be on. I I honestly I was a little bit sad about that because I want I just want him to be more gay. Mm-hmm. Keon and I were having this conversation the other day too. Like I just because I know that Andrew Rannells played this part too, oh. and I'd be really interested to see him play it. Yeah, Andrew Rannells. And maybe yeah, yeah I I could and maybe see that. even prefer that over Jonathan Groff. Because although 
it's just it's just apples and oranges too like he made a choice to play them and i know like there's you know the spit take around the world that everyone's talking about yeah um but it works it like like i feel bad because like any other actor would just simply like wipe their lip really quick quick but um he couldn't because that was his his physicality didn't permit that Mm -hmm. really um yeah i mean the moment he shows up and i was like oh those lips are wet and then i was just anxious <laughs> I was yeah like, oh, I no. Know. oh no viola davis yeah <laughs> totally. yeah um yeah you know when i saw the show on broadway and i don't remember who played king george but i remember going into it thinking oh this is this is the part where i'm gonna like you know look at the quiz in the back of the playbill of like you know sure, which sure, sure. which burnett peter show is this you know um <laughs> exactly. and like squinting but i and maybe I was kind of drunk um, when I saw it, but I remember really enjoying it when I saw the show and finding King George a lot funnier than I expected. But I think it was also not as subdued either. It was much more played up. And mm-hmm. and then I, I mean, I certainly agree. I think Jonathan Groff did a great job, better than I could. I'm, you know, uh, I, I'm not even a B flat. I don't even know what that is. But, you know, <laughs> it doesn't sound good. But, <laughs> but um, I... I guess it was it was like oh okay this is I maybe you maybe you and Amanda were making this joke on Squirrel Friends or heard it somewhere else but I was like oh these are the songs for the nervous white people who don't think they're gonna like Hamilton yes Amanda said it yeah. this week because it's it's um because Keon this is the only song in the show that Keon liked or like attached to oh, like because wow. he wasn't digging the rap like when he first listened to mm-hmm. it now he's definitely singing a different tune but um. Yeah, I'm just because it was probably the song that I skipped over the most mm-hmm. when I I was just like I like this song. It's I I think it's necessary for the show. I love how frequently it happens or like infrequently, I guess for that matter. But like because it's the definition of a BSA performance. Totally. It's like yes, you you come out and then you get to come back like two more times, and every time you come out, people are like, "Yes, what's he gonna do now?" Mm-hmm. So the fact that this is a little bit more subtle at least with the first one. And it does grow a little bit each time. I know during the Reynolds pamphlet is when he starts to like do the worm. He's like one of those like inflating car salesmen, right. like, like tube guys. It's <laughs> right. just like, whoa. But, and, and like at the beginning I was like, Ooh, I wish he would just like be a little bit more zany. But once I got it, I was like, no, I guess I don't need it. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it just kind of, it didn't take me out of it, but I was like, okay, I, I see what you're doing and I wanted that, but I don't know if that's the kind of zany I wanted. It sounds very like, I don't know, I'm just being ambiguous at this point too, but um, I still think he's great. I still think that role will always hit. It's like a very, it doesn't make me LOL, but there were like a, a, a few moments where I'm, I'm glad and not glad that it was so close to his face. Mm-hmm. Like I, they, they hardly pulled back at all too with a lot of these performances. Yeah. So we could talk about that. Um, but the one last thing I know I'm rambling here and I'll, I'll let you talk in a no, second go for it. Um, is that I kind of wish, and this isn't, it didn't happen until the Reynolds pamphlet, um, where he was kind of interacting with other people, but not interacting with other people. Mm-hmm. I wish they would have brought the ensemble out to like interact with him. Like I would have loved to seen them like make a throne out of people and have him like sit on it. Mm. Like, I just think that there's maybe something else that they could have done with that because it is just him, but it also works with just him. I'm just kind of thinking of an alternate universe. Like how else could that number have been choreographed? Right, right. Like what more could it be? I mean, I think yeah. to your point in terms of like the close-ups, maybe that was one of the things I really responded to when I saw it live was the body language 
really informed a lot of the performance. I, I yes. think the exasperated quality I thought was, was, was what was so funny was just, yes. he was like, Oh, whatever you're on your own. Like I just, I loved, yeah. And I love the fayness. I love the gayness. I, the idea of Andrew Rannells playing this, I don't always love Andrew Rannells cause he just comes off as a little bit of a mean gay sometimes. Yeah. But I, for this role, it would be perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like, I feel like I, I mentioned uh, this actor in maybe the last episode, but I want to recast him in everything, but it's like Leslie Jordan as King George, you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> I would be, it would be amazing. It, that Oh God. Yes. BSA immediately, you know? Oh, I love that a lot. Yeah. What did you cast him in? Oh, was it Clue or Drop Dead Gorgeous? Maybe, what was oh it? God, what did I cast him in? I it, yes, I feel like maybe it was Drop Dead Gorgeous. Ugh. Go back. Oh, that's gonna. Bug I know it's me gonna now. bug me. What did I want to see? Leslie Jordan. I thought it was maybe it was Clue. I remember what it was. Oh, good. It was pol- it was Poltergeist. <gasps> oh yes, <laughs> it was the Zelda yes, Rubens Zelda. Yes, yes. Oh oh, thank you for finding that. I feel better now. Um, yes yes. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, that would be my that would be my change. Just cast Leslie Jordan okay. in really any of these roles. You know. Uh, yeah. Um, but those are my thoughts on Jonathan Groff. Um, I love his walk. I think that it, I didn't want to put him any higher than number five, but I feel I had to mention him sheerly, sheerly for the sheer fact that, he, uh, of just like the vocal prowess mm-hmm. that he has and like his instrument. And I'm, I'm very impressed with that. Mm. So congrats. Yeah. Jonathan Groff. Hell King George. Um, like that beautiful little bitch gets to, sur- <laughs> gets to survive. Another yeah. day. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, I can I can go with my next uh, BSA nominee. Yeah, go for so it. number four on my list is um, Leslie Odom Jr. Oh, good, good, good. I you know, and it took me a few times to really get it because I think he is such a it's such a subtle performance, and it's such mm-hmm. like a it's so grounded and it's so like it's it's very nuanced. Um, but he doesn't have a lot of really I felt like a lot of huge moments compared to some of the other folks in the cast. Um, in terms of big acting, he has a lot of huge songs and great, like, you know, The Room Where It Happened, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, especially towards the end of that song when they're just, like, the dancing and he's just, like, leading just this incredible, uh, you know, ensemble of dancing. I'm just like, oh, yes. my God, you are you are incredible right now. Yeah. But, I mean, his voice, I mean, some of his songs, like, Wait For It, just, like, breaks my heart. And the way, like, when that song, like, takes off, I'm like, why doesn't musical theater sound like this? Like, or or it does. It does sound like this because of Hamilton. But, like, this, these notes are just hitting me, like, and feel so emotional. Um, Dear Theodosia, I... Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. You know, I didn't fully appreciate how this is so much also about Aaron Burr and that he actually is the other protagonist. And mm-hmm. I really felt for him. I, I just, I, I think the way that character is written and the way that he's weaved through the show is so brilliant because it's like, you don't realize till the end that it's like, he's, he's got his own, like he's his own sympathetic character, you know, even though he mm-hmm. does kill Hamilton in the end, but like you sort of, you understand him the whole time. And I think that line of like, this man is not going to make an orphan of my daughter. And I was like, Oh my God. Like it just, I mean, some of that is the writing. And so Lynn Manuel, I'm very sorry about all the critiques. You are. Still <laughs> yes, brilliant. I know. I'm already feeling bad about You're it. Still but brilliant, <laughs> but we're not worthy. No, yeah. but I mean, and like the, the song where it's kind of that like song where Hamilton and Burr are singing about their children in act one. Mm-hmm. I mean that it's just, 
the daddy issues in this play are just devastating like don't call me son jesus christ like that I know. i'll give i'll give lin-manuel that the don't call me yes. son moments were especially that last one i was like okay i love that um, yes 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 but, speaking of like the you will not make an orphan of my daughter that was a moment on the c i like it better on the cd because his voice like really breaks on the cd mm-hmm. when he says it and i i kind of wanted a little bit more of that but it was still effective in the recording too yeah i, I just wanted to throw that in but keep going no it's good yes. i should re-listen to that because I'm, I'm always looking for like where's the voice break? Ooh, it's a really good voice okay. break it might be like top five voice breaks mm. in hamilton is that one? Oh, yes. oh <laughs> oh don't get me down that rabbit hole because there's some voice breaks that we're going to oh. talk about <laughs> Um, I can't wait. Oh, my God. But I, yeah, I just, I think he is, and he won the Tony, right, Leslie Odom Jr.? Yes, he won for leading actor, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I I think he's just remarkable in this. I just, I, and I think it was, like, it it was how he had such a, a like, a, I don't know, uh, a, a grounded performance, and yet it just felt so powerful, you know, kind of yeah. similar to Oak, you know, he's got just this, like, grounded, powerful energy on mm-hmm. stage. Um, and I say Oak not because I know him, because I can't pronounce his name. So I'm trying to just yeah, say. Yeah, it's I, he even on interviews, he just says, like, I'm Oak. He doesn't uh, yeah. even try yeah. uh, to. And then I watched, like, one interview where, like, this, like, annoying white girl was just like, what What a name. Oh, my gosh, that name. And he's just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amber. <laughs> Amber. <laughs> But most people call me Amber. Amber. Um, oh, it's a great name. I just, I, yeah. I'd rather say it correctly than than butcher it. Um, yeah, sure. But uh, Oak is fine. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. There was something about Leslie Odom Jr. where, A, I mean, is, okay, two things. One, is Leslie Odom Sr., for some reason I had in my head that that was like a big Broadway actor, and then I realized I was probably thinking of Leslie Uggams. <laughs> oh. Leslie Uggams Sr. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, no, I don't. I think that just might be Mr. Odom back home. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think I don't think he is. Yeah, I'm googling now, but I don't want to frantically, yeah, give wrong information. But um, I'll do my research. Yeah, I'll find out. He's in the biz. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's Mr. Senior. Um, here's what I have to say. I mean, he is not on my list, but only I was really trying to be. He probably would be on my list, but I was trying to anticipate who you would put on Mm -hmm. and who I would put on. So my list is a little bit more unconventional. Great. Uh, And I'm already liking the direction it's going. And so this is perfect um, that we get to talk about them either way. Um, Have you seen Amadeus? No, I have not. Ooh, okay. The movie version? Like the the movie. Yeah, Yeah, I have not. Yeah. Okay. Because it's like... Aaron Burr is like the Salieri sort of the role and like in... Hamilton is Mozart, if that makes okay. sense, and it might that might not hit with you just because you haven't seen the movie. But it, it's it's essentially the same thing. It's like Salieri is like chasing after what Mozart can do. Like he is also a composer, and he cannot, he just can't keep up with Mozart. He knows that he's a genius. He's desperately trying to like get to his level and just can't. So it's it's the same sort of dynamic too. And I was thinking that as I watched it too, and I. I, I love that dynamic, though. I love that story. I think there's so many notes to play within that. But, I, and I think you were hinting at this, too. It's like, I love that you call him a protagonist because I don't think he's an antagonist, really, until he shoots um, Hamilton at the end, too. And even then, it's like, it's not that it's justified, but you understand why he did it, yeah. I guess. Not that it absolves him from, like, any sort of 
uh, you know, repercussions of like killing another man, but you have the whole musical to kind of understand his motivations and why he sort of, why he, but I do love, I heard this in another podcast too, so these are not my thoughts, so I'm stealing or borrowing for a moment, um, that he kind of, Aaron Burr plays two roles. He plays the narrator, sort of like into the woods, sort of narrator guy. Mm-hmm. And then he also plays Aaron Burr. So that's, he's like working, he's working overtime. He has to really consider like, and I love that sometimes he goes all out during that narrator. Like everyone give it up for America's favorite writing Frenchman. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I love that. And he's just like screaming. Um, and sometimes he's just kind of, here's the next part of the show. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of his choice, but it's, in that sense, it is difficult to kind of differenti- differentiate between, like, it's still Aaron Burr, but it's Aaron Burr, the narrator. Yeah, yeah, it's it, and it's such a, a subtle shift in performance and a subtle, sh- subtle shift of energy in the show mm-hmm. um, that I, I think that's what I just, I loved about him was it was just so surprisingly subtle. And again, I think a lot of the context for me is because I typically don't respond to, like, classic you know musical theater style acting and performance yeah. is that seeing someone be a little more subtle sometimes musical yes. theater is a little is not is not totally subtle you know i don't know if that's yeah shocking, i mean i would anybody. agree i would agree um, yes and and that's just kind of you know what i'm into i love meryl streep crying on the kitchen floor in the hours so it's yes that's exactly. that's my root it all start it all grows from there you know um yeah and so i was just really impressed with all of the small notes that he was able to play and i think <laughs> this filmed version where we get so many close-ups is such a benefit because I, I think he's, uh, it just feels like there's these micro emotions that run across his face that I was like, wow, this is, this is really powerful. Yeah. He's basically like, as far as like the antagonist in him too, it's like simmering the whole musical, but then eventually like someone turns like as soon as he loses that election. It's like when the heat is turned up mm-hmm. to like a 10 and then the lid is just taken off and then he explodes. And it makes it more satisfying too because you're waiting for that. Like, you know, it's like Titanic. It's like, you know what's going to happen here. You just don't know like how, and not how, but like um, how he's going to choose to play that and mm-hmm. what notes he's going to hit too. So I really do like the, yeah, the downfall of Aaron Burr, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Because um, you do feel bad for him, and then he just kind of goes away. He doesn't, like, come back. He might be in the finale, but I, I don't really remember seeing him there. He's kind of the narrator in the finale, because I feel like in the mm. in the last song, like, he, he has that last, you know, moment of, like, the world being big enough for him and Hamilton. Yes. And then he reappears as the narrator. He, like, cues Thomas Jefferson, and he cues, like, mm. you know, other folks to kind of give credit to... Hamilton and what he's done yes 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 that's right that's right um okay I'm gonna move on to my number four if that's Please okay do. um uh and if any point oh uh, no I, I'll just go with it so my number four is David Diggs okay as Marquis de Lafayette slash Thomas Jefferson um which role do you prefer him in Colin oh uh, well I if preferred is such a funny term because I think yeah. I think he is more impactful as Jefferson, but I mm-hmm. think Jefferson is such a douchebag and I just hate him so much, but I love him in the role. You know what I yes. mean? Like hate the character, but I'm kind of supposed to. So um, I think Jefferson is more impactful, but that one rap moment in act one as Lafayette, I was like, Oh my 
God. Oh yeah, during Guns and Ships. Yes. I can imagine him just like because he he's like crouching on that table and then he has to stand up. I could just imagine him like just prepping for that every night. Like here we go. Mm-hmm. I got it. And like having that much energy to do that every night really requires a lot. Um, yes, I agree. I I think it's David Diggs's charm as Jefferson that makes the makes it tolerable because mm-hmm. you love him so much in Act One as the Marquis de Lafayette. So like, it's like, oh, it's that guy again. Oh, but he's kind of a dick, but I kind of like him mm-hmm. and he's kind of charming and he's kind of funny. And it's like, he's kind of the real antagonist of act two, as far as just like opposing, you know, Hamilton and kind of providing that sort of uh, conflict, I guess, for lack of a better word. But yeah, I, um, here's something interesting and it, it, de- it definitely makes sense because he's not, he's also falls in that category with Jasmine Cephas Jones is not being a theater kid, mm-hmm. quote unquote, like he's a rapper who also, I think sings really well and he is not comfortable singing. There was the, in that interview yesterday, it was um, someone said, when you sing in the ensemble stuff as the Marquis de Lafayette, do you sing in a French accent? And he was like, that's a really good question. But actually I do, because he said that in any, he's like, anything that can help me get through, I'm going to fudge the words, but it's like anything that can help me get through singing on stage is I'm going to, I'm going to use that because I'm, I'm super uncomfortable singing in front of people or something. Wow. I was like, wow. And, um, and I, he said there was this great direction, um, from Thomas Kale, the guy who directed it that said like, he was just having trouble with it or something. He just said, so don't think about singing. Don't think about singing. Don't, uh, he's like, just think about acting with the right notes, Mm -hmm. which I thought was so interesting. And I was like, Ooh, I love that. And then once like he got that direction, he was like, okay, got it. And then just like went out there and did it. It's um, but that song is hard. Like the Thomas, uh, what did I miss is a super high song too, for any like quote unquote non singer. So to say that he's, I'm not saying he's not a non singer. I wouldn't even say that he says that about himself, but he just doesn't, that's not his preferred way of expressing himself, mm. I guess. Uh, that would make sense. Cause I felt like he, especially in that song, but I would say in general, like he, his songs, his approach to the songs felt very, performed like i felt like he was really acting the lyrics and mm-hmm. it and it i think it benefited his performance he's my number yes. three so we can kind of have this be oh yeah the, the david Diggs section yeah um i i uh, i would be honored to be mrs diggs i think he's beautiful oh, i think he, my. i think he has just the best smile I, i've seen since uh I don't know since smiles, but were invented. I just, I think he's just gorgeous. <laughs> I just, I, I saw him in a play, uh, like a year or so ago, uh, called White Noise. It was, oh, it was a really dark play. Um, okay, but he was great in it, and the whole, and the whole time I was just like, oh, God, you just, oh, what? I'm, I'm up here. I'm up here, David. You know, <laughs> yeah, wave, waves, Hanky, yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, uh, yeah, he. I, so that's it's interesting to hear that because I feel like. Uh, even in a song like "What Did I Miss," that like, you know, it is usually I'm like, oh, there's not enough grief in this song. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm so impressed with how. Per- where's the grief? Where's as the grief? To where's the beef? <laughs> yeah, my voice cracked, but my voice cracked on the punchline. <laughs> That's perfect. I where's the grief? That's I am that gr- old no. lady. Where's the grief? <laughs> Yeah, I just that's that's what I love. And so, you know, anyone who's being, you know, uh, exuberant and an asshole at the same time, I'm like, well, again, olives and mayonnaise, but he does it so well. And there is this underlying charm about him that just sells it. 
Yes. Yeah, because when he comes out on that sort of like floating staircase, he's just like has his arms in the air and everyone's like on his side, but no one really knows like what he's about to do on act two. Mm-hmm. So it's like this false sense of security. It's like, oh, it's it's the Marquis de Lafayette. He's back, right. but he's Thomas Jefferson. I think he's going to be great. And then he like says all these terrible things. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it, it it is his try. Uh, I will say this is my one. Um, I'm going to use the word choreo. Colin, oh, I no. Hate choreo. Oh, no. Please welcome to the stage choreo. Ugh. I hate it. Thanks. I hate it. Uh, double stuff choreo for you. Um, <laughs> my one little like choreo um, quibble, I guess, is um, during like once he gets the what did I miss? And he does that little like kick, kick, mm-hmm. kick, 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 kick. I was like, could you not have found anything else better for him to do? I don't I, I don't know why. I would have just rather seen him like struts or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I got to give David props, too, because that shit is hard to do and sing at the same time. Because I would be like, uh, 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 uh. Mm-hmm. he finds a way to like make it uh, seamless. So with that being said, like bravo to David. I wish there was different choreo there too. Um, I like the slow version of that song when he does like the strut down, like at the very beginning before it breaks into the chorus. Mm-hmm. I think it's almost like this because then um, Madison gets to sing a portion of that and his voice is like butter too. And I'm just like overwhelmed by both of those men. Yeah. Uh, I feel And Davi digs. Oh, I was going to say, no, I, I feel like all the high knees and the kicks and all that. It all just reminds me of the WB frog. Remember him? <laughs> yeah, kind of with like the tails and the cane. Like yeah. I get what kind of number this is and what not what kind of number it's supposed to be. It's like the big show stopping. It's like if there was tap in Hamilton, there would be tap here. You know, it's like it's that sort of right. production number. Right. Um So uh but yeah, but back to him is like the Marquis de Lafayette. Like I just think everything he does and act one is so precise and succinct and also charming too. Like he has like, you are the worst, but that those sort of lines that he can bring back or just sort of like slip in there too. I think that there's, it's like charm with a capital C is David Diggs. Totally. In this role. And I, and he won the Tony for it as well too. I was now I'm going to hold my thought. I I'm, I'm glad he won, but I was also rooting for someone else who's on my list. Okay. Um, um, and, but before we move to that, because since your number three was David Diggs, mm-hmm. I guess I can move to my number three. But I feel like we kind of went a little fast. Is there anything else you need to say about David at all before we move on? I mean, and I remember this moment seeing it live, but like the the Reynolds papers like that, you know, never going to be president moment. Yes. It's like it like makes me angry because he's being such an asshole. He's like dancing yes. on the desk. He's, he's making it rain with the papers. And I'm like, you're such a douchebag. It's perfect. It's exactly mm-hmm. like, it is so, I've never hated and loved something so much at the same time. Um, yes. I, yeah, I think I just, yeah, I think he's just incredibly charming and, and he was someone who anytime he was on stage, I just was excited to see what he was going to do because I felt like there were so many, there were so many notes and there were so many, uh, little, like, again, like micro emotions that he would play. And I, I never thought I would be excited by a rap battle, but that like cabinet battle, the piano in the cabinet battle, by the way, is beautiful. So great. So beautiful. So perfect. But he just, I mean, he's just so good at it and like you had mentioned about like you know oak and madison like you know hercules like the mo- having like the most swagger on stage and i felt like 
David Diggs was doing such performative swagger as mm-hmm. Jefferson and like the way that he walked, like there's just this like one legs a little like dragged along. Yeah. 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 Walk. And it, uh, again, I just like, was like, this is, it's, I, I hate this person, but he is performing this perfectly. Yeah. I think that is just, it just, uh, it's just perfect casting. I don't think that works without David Diggs mm-hmm. being so charismatic in real life too. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we didn't really talk about it too, but this is kind of a, a perfect time to just like talk about the complexity and just like perfection of like the dual role casting, like mm-hmm. who, like who plays who in act one versus act two. I think with, with David specifically, I love that he plays a Frenchman and then he comes out in act two as like the ambassador to France. Mm-hmm. And there's like some callbacks. He even says, have you forgot, have you forgot Lafayette to Hamilton? And he just played Lafayette in act one. Right. I just think that that is so, it's so much fun to think about that. Mm-hmm. Like as opposed to casting a whole other person, they could have cast easily cast this. They could have had more men in the show, which I oh. mean, what is it? 1776? Fine. Jesus. <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even John John Lawrence in Act One, who dies in a duel, also plays Philip Schuyler, who dies yeah. in a duel in Act Two. It's just like I, I can't think of any sort of through line with Hercules Mulligan and Madison, other than the fact that they're just polar opposites mm-hmm. of like. Because I know that like I, I I found this out on a podcast too that like Madison was like kind of this like very not shriveled up old man, but like a very quiet man, very kind of feeble and like always sick and coughing and Hercules are like, and Oak is not, he's like this tree of a man, which makes it even more funny too. So maybe that's the, the playfulness of Mm -hmm. that, I guess. Yeah. There's an intentionality between or about the, the double casting. And I think instead of just being like, well, this character dies in act one. So this actor can play them, this other character in act two, like there's a thoughtfulness to it. I think, Mm-hmm. That sense of repetition in in the songs and the casting and themes. I mean, the way that Lin Manuel just like weaves that through is, uh, yeah, it's like you just you just discover these through lines through repeated watching. Like, oh, that makes so much sense. How did you think of this? And granted, they yeah. had it. You know, they workshopped this for years. So, yeah, it took some time. People forget that too. It's like, oh man, it's like. Leslie Odom Jr. talks about how he went to like this original reading of like it was called the Hamilton mixtape mm-hmm. in Poughkeepsie. Oh my god. <laughs> like he just like he he's it was like a 90 seat black box theater and he spent I he didn't he didn't say how much it cost but um but he was just saying cuz a lot of people said a, a fan question was like what was the one song or moment that like stuck with you when you first saw this or like the read through and he he mentioned that moment seeing it in Poughkeepsie and he said like the song that resonated most with him was the story of tonight, like the first time, mm-hmm. like, cause he's never seen like a group of like, uh, people of color, specifically men singing on stage about like unity and brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like, and, and it was, or like, it was like, uh, was it unity or like friendship and brotherhood? I think were the words he used too. So it's just like, for all the stuff that like people are coming for Hamilton at, like you can't deny, and I think that um, Lin Manuel said this is like one of the things he's most proud of with this musical is the opportunity that it gives for uh, actors of color, like because this these roles don't they they might exist, but they don't get those opportunities in other uh, and shows other shows like this uh, or other shows that that wouldn't particularly cast people of color in those roles. So. Mm-hmm. You can't take that away, as as is kind of what I'm saying. I agree. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I I understand. Yeah, yeah the people have people have their 
criticisms and thoughts and whatnot. But I, yeah, sure. there are things this show accomplishes that it's like, okay, but at the same time, when's yeah, the last yeah, when's the last time yes. you saw this on a Broadway show? Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember seeing just last week or maybe this week, there was like um, uh, a little Asian girl that was watching Philippa Sue as like singing Helpless. And the mom was like, who's that? And the little girl said, that's me. Yeah. And like that's, you. Uh, it's like that alone is like, it's like worth the price of admission. But like, uh, it's just, it's priceless. You cannot put a price tag on like how much that means to little kids. Yeah. And seeing themselves, it really does matter. Yeah. Um, so that's all I have to say about that. Um, okay. So my number three mm-hmm. is Christopher Jackson. Okay. He's pretty high on my list and I know he was your, um, he was an honorable mention for you, which is also fine. But in general, I am, I am a big fan of Christopher Jackson, mostly because of like in the Heights. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that, um, and I'm not, I'm not saying by any, like you're wrong, Colin, he should be on your list. <laughs> How dare you? Um, but I, there is just a general, sense of goodness and joy and like talent and like I just want to be around him Mm -hmm. at the end of the day and like just uh, he was talking during that interview that I watched last night about how they were just talking about like learning this like what was the hardest part about learning and he said everything Mm. because it it, the show moves so it's like it's one of those shows that like when you I can only imagine like it's just called like a stumble through when you put like the first act together, let's run through it and see what happens. And he said he had like, uh, like no cards behind the scenes and like just making sure and just like stood there and he's like, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be here? He mm. would just like ask ensemble members too. Um, I love his voice. I think he's perfectly cast as George Washington. Um, history has its eyes on you is one of my favorite songs. Um, and one last time is just so perfect. Ugh. I mean, it's like I can only imagine like how much weight that song has like during his last show, mm-hmm. during Christopher Jackson's last show. And like I I mean, I would have loved to have seen that performance, like just to see what he does with that because there's like you think the song is over and there's like 30 seconds more of him just like I don't know, he's just like it's next level singing. And I know you said like, it's like, it's kind of like from his throat, but I, I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, there's like this rawness to it as well. But, um, but I just love that everyone gets to watch him. Like everyone's kind of on stage and there's this little bit of, they show like Lin-Manuel, like a little bit over his shoulder, just watching him sing it. And like, it's like when you, how cool is that to like write a song for one of your best friends and just to watch him like kill it yeah. every night. Oh. And then just like the way that he, he does this like thing. He puts his like hand on his heart and then he extends his left arm like that. Like that alone. I was, I just loved that. Yeah. I don't know what it was about that stance. He, it was like, he was almost bowing, mm-hmm. but he was almost like, uh, like thanking everyone at the same time. It's such a specific uh, like tableau almost, I guess, yeah. even though he was moving. But, and then at the end when he has that little like side whimper, like when you know he's crying. Uh, oh, I know. That's, that's, forget it. That moment. Forget it. Forget it. I mean, exa- and I know you mean that body language. It is, it, it's, and it's like, he's like wringing this song out of himself. And yes, but yeah, the, the kind of like, is this George or is this Christopher crying right now? I, it, that moment I just, it's so beautiful. And it's one of those beautiful theater moments where like, 
I remember when I saw the color purple and uh, oh. and it happens like at the end of I'm here and it's just and I you yes. know was, and I I got to see it with Cynthia Erivo and it was uh. and it's like she has that part where like she gets a standing ovation before the song is over yes uh huh and it's like it's one of those moments where the actor and the audience are all like together in the same moment and yes it's uh, sometimes I feel like Broadway audiences can be a little cringy because I feel like a lot of people like to do knowing laughter. <clears throat> it's not that they thought the joke was funny. They want to make sure everyone else knows they got the joke. And mm-hmm. I, and so it's just, there's something about it. And maybe I'm again, just being an old crab, but then there's <laughs> moments like this where the audience loses their shit. And I'm like, no, we are all genuinely losing our shit, you know? Yes. And so, yes, yes, yeah, yes. that moment is, I feel like on the cast recording isn't as big as it is in the filmed version. Yeah. Yeah. It was so much more impactful yeah. for me at least too. I was just like, Oh, Good for you, Christopher Jackson. I wish he would have won the Tony. I'm glad that David Diggs did win the Tony, but I'm I was definitely rooting for Christopher Jackson mm. uh, that year because um, it, it is such a supporting role. It's like it's a meaty supporting oh, role yeah. too. Like I think that he comes in. I just love his first number too mm-hmm. when uh, Right Hand Man. Is oh the, yeah, the way that he comes in and just like. Ah, oh, there's so much of that song that I really like, and like I love how he raps. I think he's like perfect yeah <laughs> um but and i follow him on instagram and he has like the two maybe he has more kids at this point but he had like the two cutest kids they both have his like thick eyebrows mm. the daughter is like this little ugh. she's like this perfect little angel that has like this like cr- like has christopher jackson eyebrows and it's just it's really cute oh, um, he does have I great eyebrows yeah. yeah 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 um so i love him and uh he's my number three all that's, right that's all i have to say yeah well, that gets us to our top two, which is, Ooh, I think, I mean, I, who knows? This, this was very hard. I mean, it was very hard to, and, and, and eventually it was swayed in a certain direction, but I, in some ways they're interchangeable. Yeah. So my number two is, uh, man, it's like so hard to say. It, it was Renee Elise Goldsberry, which is very. So is mine. Okay. Colin. All right. And I'm so, I'm happy, and I know a lot of people are screaming into their phone right now. I know it, but just hear us out. Yes. Because I feel like, yes, go. I'm so glad. Yeah. No. And I went through the same process. Yeah. Same process. Now, let me say that Angelica Schuyler slash Renee Lee Goldsberry's performance is so quintessential BSA. It is everything I want from a Best Supporting Actress. Mm. Satisfied is still just like... It, it is so on her shoulders of like why it, part of why it's so good is just her voice is is gorgeous and mm-hmm. and that character is so interesting and the role that she plays in the show is so interesting and like even Eliza saying that she's buried in you know Trinity by Trinity Church oh, at the end it. that breaks forget my it. heart the moment she said that I was like she died and it's like of course she died yeah <laughs> of course she died <laughs> she but like died. <laughs> But I just, I just think Angelica is incredible. I I love that role. I love how she appears appears in the show. I love how when she comes back and like after the Reynolds, like during the Reynolds Papers song, and, yes. and he thinks she's back for him, and she's like, "I'm not here for you." And like the way she just like spits venom at him in that moment is is so it's so subtle like she doesn't overplay it but it's so perfect i yes i like 
was planning to put her at number one because I was just like, this is such a great supporting character. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and we'll get to why she's number two. But I, yeah, those are my thoughts, my opening thoughts on on Ms. Goldsberry. Yeah, I mean, I... I went through this, like, I was flip-flopping her and Philippa for the longest time. And I was like, but I just, because here's what, uh, it's interesting because I, uh, Keon, since he only really was a fan of King George's song, he really had a lot of blanks to fill in with as far as, like, just, like, plot and everything, which is really fun to watch with him because he had a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. But also just, like, to hear what his first impression was because he had not listened to the, uh, the cast recording. He thought, like that Angelica was probably like was the leading role like he mm. the way that it's set up even when she comes out for Skylar sisters you know she's the oldest um uh sorry I was thinking I was like I'm the oldest and the wittiest yeah. and the gossip and New York City is and Ugh, it's one of my Ugh. favorite lyrics is, is uh, that wordplay uh. yes yeah it's so great but um because it is, it's like in a way, Angelica is like the leading actress of Act One, um, and I think in Act Two, it it, it transfers over to Philippa um, or Eliza too. But um, but it's just interesting to hear him say that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. It's like it's like she comes out, she gets to sing one of the best, if not the best, song in the show, mm. um, and. And she gets to kill it. And this is uh, by no means is this an old age, but Renee Elise Goldsberry was 45 when she uh, recorded this. Yeah. Or like when like when this was recorded. So that alone. And like I said, that's not <clears throat> I'm not saying like good for her. She's an old bat. Like it's like it's just hard. It's like the pure stamina that she has to have to sing that song. It's like it's 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 incredible. Um, and um, not just like uh, vocal stamina, but just like emotional stamina, stamina. She talks so much about how hard it is to sing the end of that song because it's it packs a punch. There is so much subtext. It's like unrequited love and like loving your sister and making the right decision for you and knowing that you will never have him and that you're going to live a life of just like it's like when she comes out and she says like uh, she's she's like, I found someone. I'm going to move to England. Mm-hmm. He's not as he's not as fun as you. But, you know. Uh, whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just I feel bad for Angelica. Yeah, you know, in in satisfied. I mean, he when I first like heard the song and then like kept replaying it was like the part where she sings like at least I keep his eyes in my life always just broke Oof. my heart. It just yes. that it it's so beautiful and and I love the kind of yeah the mixed emotions of the rest of that song where it's like in my mind I just pictured her like you know doing a cheers but tears in her eyes you know and just like having to play both of those notes and mm. watching it in terms of acting choices, micro moments when she leans in for a kiss on her cheek while she's singing from Eliza is, is my, Oh, I couldn't. It's I, such a great, uh, I was like, did you just addition. do that? That was so yes. cool. You kept singing and, and like sticks her chin out for a kiss. I, uh, I mean, she is gorgeous like she is yeah like disney princess beautiful i just yeah she's like, incredible it's just i'm i have not seen her in anything else i was familiar with her name but i don't know anything else she's done and i just want to yeah i my first introduction to her and i didn't know it at the time but uh she was one of the last mimis in the uh in the broadway run of rent oh um so th- so they i know which is interesting right and that was like in 2009 i think when they filmed 
I could be wrong with the years, but I was looking that up the other day um, when they did like the live film stage version of it too. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's great. She is so great in it too. It's like, she might not be like maybe your first choice for Mimi, but like she, I mean, she was also like, you know, seven years younger as well too. Mm. So like she definitely uh, can pull it off. And I, I remember really liking her a lot. She was also in, she was a soap opera actress. She was in, I almost said one day at a time, but I think she was in one life to live. Wow. Um, yeah. So she's been around. It's like, um, she had this great quote in that interview and she was talking about, um, Ooh, I'm going to fumble with it too. But she said like, as far as like auditioning, she's like, I audition a lot and I don't get, she's like and i don't get a lot of work she's like but i think you were meant to have the things that you were meant to have mm. which i which makes so like it, it's just that simple she's like and i think with a lot of just like diligence and hard work and prayer and faith that like you'll you'll end up where you need to be and i was just like yes yeah amen like give me all of that renee um she seems so cool and she's such a she's a mom and i <laughs> i i love that she has like i love the older sister energy mm-hmm. of her um, yeah, the older, wiser energy and the way that she is kind of a, an intellectual confidant for Alexander, you know, plus there's sort of this unrequited thing between them. But I yes. I like her function as like, oh, you're you're one of the smarter people in the room. Like you're someone someone would turn to for advice. Like I I yeah, I think that's part of what I love about Ale- uh, Angelica is that she's, you know, she's not just the, you know, unrequited love interest there is something more to her and i think i love that she's older i love that it's an older character and i think that that only makes that character more interesting is that she's mm-hmm. um like she knows what's up i love that yeah i mean anytime she sings that i know my sister like i know my own mind you mm-hmm. and like that's like my favorite part of satisfied anytime that theme comes back i'm just like i just like pump my fist in the air <laughs> totally. it's like it's so good totally i want to take a spin class to that song yeah. <laughs> peloton look <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah it's i mean satisfied is really one of the best numbers i mean any of the songs of the women of course are always going to jump out to me but i think that is such a great set piece and the fact that that's the supporting character in the show is only more exciting mm-hmm. to me yeah even in skylar sisters i love how she leads the way with that song mm-hmm. and i love i love there's this like subtle way that she walks on the turntable table right before like aaron burr comes up she's like kind of just like treading like this she has like this like she takes up a lot of space as a woman mm-hmm. which i like yeah it's like she has this sort of male energy because in in the song satisfied she says like my father has no son so i'm the one who has to social climb the one yeah Uh, and then she gets into that i'm the oldest and the wittiest and i i i have memorized the whole rap too that was what i think that was the first thing that i did once i listened to that song was like well i have to learn every single word of this so i can keep up and (laughs) like live the full fantasy right right Um, but yeah, it's like she has to she watches out for everyone and even the way like during helpless she's like I turn to my sister and whisper, say, uh, hey, this one's mine. And the way that Angelica like taps her chin and says, you got it. Mm-hmm. And then she just goes for mm-hmm. it. But underneath and like we don't know yet that Angelica's like, fuck, like I kind of wanted him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and I, it's it's in the way that they play that narrative out throughout the show and that 
once she finds out about the you know the Reynolds paper, she's like, oh no, we're done. I like there's it's over. Like that comma yeah. you left in the letter that sent me spinning. Ugh. It's a race. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like a strike through now. Totally. You know? Totally. <laughs> um, and she has a bit of a narrator quality after Philip dies. You know. Um, yeah. And I thought that was really interesting that she kind of comes in as a bit of a Greek chorus, you know, a grief Greek chorus. And of course, I'm, you know, Ooh, grief a chorus. Greek chorus. Yeah. Which is, yes. you know, the role I want to play. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Party of one. Yeah, totally. Oh, but yeah, she gets to sing the beginning of Quiet Uptown, which wrecks me. Oh. There are moments when the like where she's like where it's just better to swim down. Mm hmm. I love I love that imagery. I just think that that's perfect. And um, and the fact that she gets to sing it, like we get a little bit more of Angelica, mm-hmm. like one last time uh, before we kind of don't see her again, really, until like the church, like she's buried next to you. At, yeah. At the, yeah. Like, oh, she dies. She, she, she dies. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite moments. She dies. I could picture you saying that in the theater, <laughs> like this. <laughs> One of those old ladies. Well, totally. Like, what? <laughs> oh yeah. Crunching that, on your candy. That is my future. Candy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I just I think it's a great role, and I love that in that last song, and, and when things kind of then focus on Eliza, that Angelica still has a role, and she says, you know, you know, whenever I needed her, she was right there on time. Yes. Ugh. Ugh. Forget it. Forget it. Ugh. I mean, is that bringing us to number one? I think so. Yeah. And I'm so interested in everyone's like reaction to this, but I, I stand firm. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Number one for both of us is of course, uh, Philippa Sue as Eliza, yeah. I, you know, and I think I know that she had been nominated, I think for leading, yeah. but I think she was competing against Cynthia Erivo that year. Yeah. Isn't that crazy. I looked it up. I was like, who Ugh. beat her? But then having seen Cynthia Erivo was like, of course yeah, it's, yeah, that stinks. It's, but it's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's like, oh, she, Cynthia Revo was next level in color purple. Yeah, you can't compete. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think in kind of the the scope of the show of a two and a half hour show, I can also see how Eliza may be a bit of a, a supporting character in terms of how much she appears. Um, yes, that's what kind of justified it mm-hmm. for me too. Yeah, but go on, go on. Um, I, I mean, we talked about the ending, and I and I probably you yes. know, but I'll the ugh. It's like I can't even talk about the ending. Like I get choked up just thinking about it because it is so it is one of my favorite endings because it's not this big final note, you know? It's uh-huh. and that it is this it's an emotional note. It's not even a musical note. And yeah. and just the shape her mouth makes when she gasps Ugh. is uh It's like an upside down frown smile. Ugh. Ugh. And I think about that when you were saying about like David Diggs like preparing to kind of start as Lafayette. And I think about yeah. like uh, Lin-Manuel like letting go of her hand and her kind of approaching you know downstage uh, preparing to do that final moment and I thought god what is going through her mind knowing that she the entire ending of this two and a half hour epic is all resting on her emotional reaction like yeah that is that's that's what nailed it for me that's what really like clinched it was like for her to have to have all, the whole show resting on her shoulders at that moment is so incredible and and she killed it. And she just, certainly in that in that filmed performance, killed it. And I think the, yeah, the emotions she brings to this, I mean, I'd love to talk about Burn. Oh, yes. Um, 
Let's let's, let's then. yes, yes. Uh, indeed. <laughs> let's. So so this is one of the moments where vo- the voice break, the voice breaking and and straining Ooh, really. Yes, it's not as much on the cast recording, but it's not, and I'm so glad it's on the record, like the the uh, visual recording. Yeah, yeah, is when she really and I I unfortunately I don't remember all the lyrics, but she she lets her like as she's getting angry and as she's you know uh, you know burning the letters she she lets this like rawness come out in her voice. And when I watched the first time, I was like, immediately it was like hand to pearls. I was like, what are you doing right now? I can't believe you're doing this right now. This is incredible. This is what I come here for. This is what I open up Disney plus and use someone else's login to watch Hamilton for, you know? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh, exactly. It's I'm looking up the lyrics because I know exactly what part you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, it's when she says, you forfeit all rights to my heart. Yes. You forfeit. It's like when she says forfeit. Yes. It's like this roar of just like, I just, it's like, it's not, it's not four mm-hmm. fits. It's just the beginning of that word. It's like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. There's a jagged edge her. on the OR that I just, yeah, I, I, that's what I loved. Oh God. She's incredible. I, I really, to kind of give my opening statement on Philippa Sue in this role, this was, I think, had it not been for the fact, like, I was, it. this definitely falls in the category of, like, I expected everything that Renee Lise Goldsberry gave me in the movie because I it, it comes through in the cast recording, too. But what doesn't come through in the cast recording is, like, everything Philippa Sue does in this role. I agree. It's, it's like, she gives such great kid sister energy mm-hmm. in that first act, too. Like helpless is one of my, is in my top three songs actually. Like I just, I remember listening to that and like just the beginning with like, hey, hey, hey. I just love how it goes into the song. I just think it's such a great like bop as the kids mm-hmm. say. I don't even know if kids say that anymore. But for me, I was like loving it. And and she's not really dancing a lot, but she is hustling during that number. Like it's like. I know it's just like a lot of choreographed walking, but like that's still very hard to do. And like Mm -hmm. her vocals in this show are unshakable. Yeah. Like I think that she gives the best performance vocally in the show. She sounds better in the show than she does on the recording. Mm -hmm. Um, That like run that she does in Helpless. Yeah. um, It's right when they're signing all the letters and um, and she takes one of the letters and does, I'm not even going to attempt to do Mm -hmm. it, but she does. It's this like this amazing clean like pristine beautiful run and i'm just like you've been running around the stage for like three minutes and you can still do that it's and i call them um the i'm so into you hands when she does like it's like such an interesting Mm -hmm, sort of like mm -hmm. youthful first time in love like i'm so into you like the way that she does it is just i just and it's also just her. I think that like just as David Diggs like brought something to the role because of who he is, I feel like uh, Pips as that Pips. as Oak yeah. caller too. Like there was one she was tech. I uh, watched an interview one time, or she said one time she was singing "Burn" and she forgot an entire verse. Like it just went out of her mind. Wow. So she sat there, and I, I I don't think she tried to sing anything. I think she just sat there, and everyone off stage was like, "Huh," because I think it was. It might have been Oak or David who said, like, they said, like, Pips, like, she never falters. Like, she is a rock, Mm -hmm. which I love. I love that she is, like, so, I just feel like she 
gives a damn and she really knows like what she had with this role and she is making the most of every moment and it shows too yeah i i loved in take a break uh i mean Mm -hmm. i did not think i would find her beatboxing as funny as it was oh it's so charming so charming and she also i i wish i could remember but it's like right before philip starts and she says like like okay like philip you know take your whatever she like cues him take it away take it away oh my god I mean, as much as I love a rough note, I loved how mm-hmm. beautiful and perfect that was. And it was, yes. it's just, yeah, that, that line, the way she sung that, I replayed that a few times because it was like, yes, this is, this is like, I felt like Kirsten Dunst and Dropped It Gorgeous. I was like, this is, this is, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this is the opposite of Yeah, shit. totally. <laughs> uh, uh, um. I, 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 there's, I'm just looking at my notes here too. Um, I always tear up a little bit too when during the song, um, that would be enough. Mm -hmm. Like when she says like, I know who I married. It's just like this beautiful, simple way of saying that like, I'm going to be here no matter what. I know you're poor. I know you don't have like prospects. You know, he says that even in helpless, he's like, all he lists all the stuff that he has and doesn't have too. But like, I just think it's, she is, it's, this is not Eliza's show by any means, but like in many ways, like when it is Eliza's show, it's Eliza's show. Yes. And, and, and I love the unexpectedness of that too. It's like, she is, she seems like if I was to, I always compare like every woman to like, who would she play in little women? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she's a Joe March. No, she has Joe March qualities maybe, but I think she's almost like a Meg, if that makes yep. sense. The, um, uh, uh Emma Watson. The Emma Watson. Yeah. yeah. Emma Watson character. It's like, she just wants to get married and have babies, but she's also like, she's very strong. And, is able to handle Alexander and is able to put up with him too, because he is, he is someone to put up with. Like, it's so funny that, um, I think Angelica, like pun intended, pun intended, like dodged a bullet by not marrying Alexander. Yeah. Like, she thinks it's this big thing, but really it's like Philippa or Philippa. Well, Philippa mm-hmm. and, uh, and Eliza both had go through this like emotional roller coaster by being married to him. Like she, they lose their son and then she ends up losing him and she still finds a way to keep going. Yeah. And that bleeds into the finale a little bit too, which I... Oh, the finale. I don't, think, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about it yet because I know. <laughs> it's just too much. I, it's, well, that... I mean, I you know, I sort of had a feeling of like, oh, I mean, I, I love this character in the show. I feel like, you know, would Eliza pass the Bechdel test? You know, like, it, I feel like she's just the wife. And then in the last... So, I mean, that's really, you know, downplaying the impact of this role, but the power of the finale and the power of it suddenly being about Eliza and everything Eliza did. I'm like, wait, she did what an orphanage. And I'm like, act three, act three, Eliza, I'm here for it. But like when you learn of all these other things that Eliza Hamilton did and, uh, and how it does become her show at the end. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I think the ending of anything, the closer you get to the final like moment of a movie or a show every second means something you know like the way you end a show especially like a huge show like this like the every moment has to be intentional you know and i and i loved how the intentionality was around eliza and was around just like focusing in on her experience and that it wasn't just 
<clears throat> it wasn't just about mourning Alexander, but it was about moving on and and carrying on his message, but then, you know, speaking out against slavery and raising money for the Washington Monument and the orphanage and Angelic coming back, you know, and helping her. And it was like, I, I, part of me was like, Jesus Christ, we had two and a half hours about Alexander and we got two minutes about Eliza. But at the same time, I was like grateful for it because yes. it, it oh, like bucked the stereotype of her just being the grieving wife. And she, yes. she did something. And and again, the fact that she gets the final moment, the fact that she and I forgot that I forgot that that happened. And so when it did, I mean, I it was I was just ruined. I just I, like and when the when the lights faded, I was like, I can't believe you just did that. I can't believe this. Like, I can't believe Philippa Sue just did this. I can't believe Lin-Manuel did this. I can't believe Disney <laughs> Plus just did this. I can't believe yes. I just saw this happen. And yeah, um, it's just it's a, a really incredible moment. I. Yeah, I, I think I think it's also a lot of like what she brings to the role. There's a real specialness about her that yeah. I have not. Again, I've not seen her in anything else. I was not really familiar with her before this, and now I need to know more. Yeah, she was. It was short lived, but um, and there not every song is great. But I've listened to about half of the cast recording. She was in the musical adaptation of Amelie. Oh, um, and I don't know if you've seen the actual movie, I've but seen there's the movie. a great song. Yeah called times are hard for dreamers that is was my jam for like the past month i really love it i'll send it to mm. you or you could find it on spotify i'll remind you but um but she's great in that um i want to talk about the gas but i want to talk about one more moment during because I, I feel like i have to talk about quiet uptown oh and yeah. her role in that song mm-hmm. and just like she's so stoic and beautiful and is like has so much emotional weight on her shoulders too and like and Lynn manuel is just like sobbing around her i'm like pull yourself together right but um uh and like there's this brief moment where she like it's like she he's singing to her and while he's singing he she she has like a single tear going down her like right cheek yep. and she does look at him for a moment and there is like the, it's like the micro like the most micro moment of micro moments where she almost like considers talking or speaking mm. it's just like she just like tilts her head a certain way but she decides against it and i think that that's i was like that was like almost one of the moments that like i think that's like top three favorite moments and it's so tiny mm. and uh i will say when we get to the forgiveness moments that's exactly how I pictured it to be staged. That exactly that is exactly the, the like the the reaction I wanted from Lin Manuel. You were fe- you you feel that catharsis like through him mm-hmm. uh, as well. And I, God, I just love Philippa Sue so much. Yeah, I, I mean, and that and that that grief scream when philip dies oh yes i replayed that a hundred times and i was like i know this is weird i'm watching a woman scream <laughs> in grief but this is what i i just i mean yeah you got to get your 27 yeah, somewhere totally and totally and i because I, I think that that can be like you have to really just like let go in that moment and i felt like sh- i believed it like I, she was not I, she gave it her all in that moment and i also thought like oh mm-hmm. singers probably don't want to be screaming too much every night but it was, uh, oh my God! Yes, yeah, she plays grief so brilliantly. Yeah, and during and and going back to the finale slash the gasp. This is like the home stretch here too. Um, I think I, I like you said. I love that she gets to sing the finale. I don't know who else could have sung the finale at that point. That point too. Mm. Um, 
I love this sort of like six feet under of it all. This ending yes. that we get. Like that was something, not to spoil too much, but you know, that shows watch six feet under. It's an incredible show. Um, but just to see how everyone everyone ends up, I'd say, and we don't get everyone's story, but like one of the moments where I always cry is when when uh when she talks about the washington uh, monument mm-hmm. and then george washington's like behind her and they both sing that duet together and mm. it's this beautiful heart. i just and i love christopher jackson so it was like extra special i just like i think that's such a beautiful moment there was um i keanu and i found out last night there was like this just like a regular girl um, and above her, it, they're playing the finale, and um, it's like the orphanage. Like just hearing those words are enough to already get me to start crying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a regular person watching Hamilton, and they play that song. They play that portion. They're just like nodding their head, and then there's and it says me watching Hamilton, and it's like <laughs> it's like her hair is like all over her face, and her mascara is like <laughs> running down, and she's like, what? Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I. I told Keon, like, we watched it in our bedroom, and I was like, I'm going to need to turn the lights out for Act 2 because I need to, like, I need to go through this, and I don't want you to see what I'm about to, like, Right, <laughs> right, do. yeah. It's something you should watch alone and with someone at the same time, too. It's like, I think if you watch it with someone, great, but I recommend watching it on your own just to really yeah. get the full experience. Yeah, I can vouch um, for that. It was like, I, yeah, it was like, oh, yeah. this is just, I mean, yeah the angelica moment i'll just i'll never get over it i just uh yeah it's just and i guess part of that too is like i just loved like oh my god at the end of the at the end of the day and at the end of the show it's down to the women oh yeah and that just like i'll always love that yes there is a moment and i don't know what part during the finale but it's right before he takes her hand where he she looks at hamilton or lin-manuel and he says something it almost looks like he mouths the word like hi or it's time. And if it, if he does say it's time, that's, that wrecks me even more. Right. But it's, it's like, I want to go back and like watch, I'll give you like a timestamp of when it actually happens, but that was incredible. But let's talk about the gasp. What, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Cause this is, I love that this conversation exists. Mm. First of all, that like so many people have different interpretations of it and what it actually means. Uh, to them and I think that's like the beauty of all of it too but what what did you what do you take away from that is it different every time my reading of it is that that is like that's the moment she dies in the moment that she sees Alexander and Philip and and Angelica oh I can't even talk about this uh the moment that she I know it's like oh it is so it's so everything I love um and that's what I took that as like she knows that when she dies she will you know she'll see Alexander again and he talks about this when he dies that he I mean, it's worth noting the the Alexander dying moment is kind of genius theater of him. Like I'm, oh, you know, yes. like going the through spoken that. spoken words sort of. Yes. It's like we didn't mention that, but yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, Thank you for and that. And that like that idea of, oh, you know, this is where my son is and my mother and like, and, and the idea that she's going to have that same journey and she's going to see him again. And you remember at that point, every, everyone that she has lost, she's lost everybody at that point. Yeah. And so um even peggy finally we know where peggy is you know uh i that's what i took that as is that was the moment that angelica had that her time was done that she had done everything and then she died and it was uh just that that incredible sort of mix of sadness and joy of like she's died but but this is that sort of like glorious moment of like seeing alexander again yeah 
that's kind of what I took it as too, is like the gates of heaven are opening up and she gets to see everyone that she's, uh, that she's been missing. And like, she can't wait to like tell them what she's done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Oh God, I can't wait to, I can't wait to see you again is what she says yeah. like, near the end of that song. And also there's this fan theory that's been going around and I don't know if you've heard this yet. It's it, like popped up on Reddit and I know a couple other people are talking about it too. Um, and whether or not this is true or not, it's just like fun to think about too, that um, when Alexander takes her hand to like, sh- like take her up like center stage, um, like down center mm-hmm. um, is that, he at that point is no longer Alexander Hamilton, but he's Lin Manuel, and he's showing her the audience, like the physical audience, to see like what this, like what their legacy has become, and what's like their story being told, and like the reaction to it as well, too. But uh, so I just love that. Wow. It's yeah. it's like yeah, right. Mm. It's definitely. I don't know if it's like exactly what I believe it to be, but I also like. I just love that everyone has something different to say mm-hmm. about that gasp because it is so impactful. Yeah. I would love to hear like anyone who wants to contribute, please uh, tweet us. And I, and uh, cause I know about like in the interview that I saw, I think Jasmine Cephas Jones, Cephas, Cephas Jones, I'm probably saying. I said Cephas. Cephas yeah. Um, I don't know. She had mentioned that at one point in the workshop, you know, workshopping of this was Lin-Manuel trying to figure out the ending. And she mm-hmm. mentioned kind of, you know, offhand briefly that it, at one point, the ending was an acapella rap. And I don't know if that Whoa. was Eliza, but I thought, oh, I could see that being really impactful. But I'm not. But then I think, oh, I love the idea that he arrived at this at some point and said, what if we did this? What if we ended it on something non musical, you know, in yeah, a totally yeah. musical show? It's. And it's such a hard emotion, I think, for her to play. I think the challenge for, especially after two and a half hours of doing this show, to to still then bring out this like ladle of emotions to play, to play like an emotion I don't think any of us would know how to play. How do you play the emotion of of the the mix of like sheer euphoria and like melancholy of dying, but seeing everybody that you love, you know? Like I just think like, yeah. oh my god, like. I can't even talk about it, but if, but when I see the family dog again, it's like, oh. that's where I go of like, oh, oh, I would be so much uglier, but yeah, you know, in terms of crying, but yeah. Yeah, it's like a beautifully captured moment because it's not like, I would fall to my knees, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, I, if that was me. Yeah, and like, I think that's what she, and she captures that feeling of like, it's, it's almost like implying that the emotional experience of that moment is bigger than anything we can ever experience in life and like how do you play that as an actor it's just it's really uh and and for the record she nails it i have no idea if it's correct but i have to imagine if that's the emotional you know experience we have when we die i i'm gonna say that's a pretty good representation of it yeah i i can't wait to watch it again I've, i've only watched it i've only watched it all the way through once but like for this i have i just like kind of picked certain scenes to watch like mm-hmm. of course i focused on the women but then i focused on like my top five and like moments and stuff like that but i'm i'm just so thankful that we have this at our fingertips for whenever we need it yeah um like i said before it's just uh, such a gift yeah of theater and it's such a gift for like what we need right now in the world and i'm so glad 
Thank you, Disney. Yeah. But thank you, Lin-Manuel. Right. Jeez, I mean, Despite your awful Disney. performance in the show. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but certainly, I think the, timely, the timeliness of this, you know, mm-hmm. for so many reasons, but it's like, I think about early, even like in a quarantine lens, like obviously from a sort of just you know, what's going on in terms of race in America right now. I, th- I feel like there's so many, there's so much value in having Hamilton be more accessible to people. But I think from the quarantine lens, I think about the early days and how Tiger King was like, it was like, here is a, here is yeah. some, you know, study of, of, you know, madness to kind of, you know, I don't know, distract us from the insanity of real life. And yeah. I'm so glad we've moved on from that to like, there's something, there's some kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say, there, there, it, it's it's a balm for the wound, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. I needed this. I needed the catharsis of this. I needed the lessons mm-hmm. of this. I needed the power of this. I think especially with theater being shut down, essentially, uh, to have access to one of the most incredible Broadway shows uh, right now is, is, a, is a nice little antidote to that. So this is much like our, our hours episode is a couple of hours. We, we, yeah. I mean, we had much to say, but I mean, Hamilton is a lot to talk about. This is, you know, she ain't no Tootsie, you know? So, <laughs> um, so that being said, despite all of the queening out, we do still have one last segment of the show. As always, we have our BSA of the week, which yes. uh, for, for the uninitiated is a performance or a person or a song or a food or a thing or anything in our lives right now that is acting as the best supporting actress in our lives right now. Um, mm. so what do you got? What's your BSA of the week nominees, winners? What do you got? My B, I have one nominee and one winner. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I've decided to, especially since it's like cut up into like three beautiful, like, uh, long enough chunks. That sounds gross to say, <laughs> but, um, um, I hate the word chunk, but I say it so many times. Uh, I decided to do a sort of like three part special <clears throat> on um, me and my shadows, uh, Life with Judy Garland, oh. uh, for the No Good, Very Bad Gay podcast because I had never seen it. Mm-hmm. And I know Amanda was bugging me last week on Squirrel Friends, and a lot of other people have since said, you know, like Judy Davis is great. Um, and I have not got to the Judy Davis stuff because that's not in part one, it's like at the tail end of part one. Mm-hmm. But um, part one is all about Tammy Blanchard, and I am in awe of her. Like, I gasped when I first saw her and like the gingham Dorothy get up mm-hmm. I was like just like how how much she looks like Judy and and like not just because like looks are important as far as like playing like bio biopics and stuff like that but I just like her energy her performance um she was really channeling her <laughs> really is good she really was, yeah. and I and I know she won an Emmy for um, best supporting actress in like a, a miniseries movie, and I fully support that. I love you, Tammy Blanchard, and I'm I'm loving it so far. I can't wait to get to the Judy Davis stuff. Have you seen it yet? I haven't. Have you seen it? I haven't. I know. I think Amanda recommended it to me too. Like you've got to see this, yeah. and and I've heard that Judy Davis and Tammy Blanchard are really incredible, um, and especially and I heard your you you guys talking about it on Squirrel Friends, but especially ha- after having seen Judy. I mean, I didn't even get through all of Judy. I got an hour in was like, okay, no. Uh, yeah, I know. We could have a separate conversation off mic about that too. But yeah, I, I kind of needed like a palate cleanser. I needed something. I needed a better performance. I shouldn't say better performance, but yeah, we, we know what we're talking about here. Um, but So I'm excited to get into that. Um, she's incredible. Um, do you have any nominees or do you just have your BSA of the week? Um, I mean, I, I think at this point, you know, I, she's become the Diane Weist of, of BSAs of the week, but I'll, I'll give another nod to Miss Jujubee and All-Stars 5. 
yes. continues oh. to be the BSA of the week. And I and I think yeah. in particular, you know, as I've been kind of navigating these early weeks of the sobriety journey, hearing her talk about it has been like perfect timing. I'm like, oh, yeah. yes. And so I, I, I definitely uh, at least worth a nod, Ms. Jujubee. But I do then have mm. one winner. But who's your winner? My winner um, is a movie that I found. I talked about it on Squirrel Friends this week. And I... I, I might watch it again this weekend because I'm just, uh, it has reignited my love for Fran Drescher. <laughs> oh, <I see. laughs> is It's available on HBO Max mm-hmm. and it is called The Beautician and the Beast. Have you seen it? I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I remember okay. when it came out and I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't fully formed enough to realize that as a gay man, I should probably see this. Yes. Um, I, it's a it's a great Saturday watch. I would say like it's solid. Mm-hmm. It is a solid movie. Friend Drescher gives you everything. It's it's during the era of like talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. Like mm-hmm. she says that like at least once or twice, and I love it. Um, I just really really forgot how much like it's 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 cheese, but it's like my my like the perfect brand of cheese. Uh, and I found it on HBO this week, and I watched it. I cried at the end. Wow! Um, it's just the perfect little romantic comedy. So it's a high recommend for me. I'm not gonna like assign it to you, but um, if you're if anyone is looking for something to watch this weekend. Or maybe they just love the movie as much as I do. Uh, chime in. It's it's great. All right. I'll, She's great. I'll give it a go. I, you know, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I think both of and those. her mom is great in it. There's a lot of great lady performances. So this is how you sell yeah, a movie. There's ladies. Know, there's a yeah. mother. Great. Yes. Um, well, I, how about I think my BSA of the week, and I was actually just listening to it this morning, but I have been loving <clears throat> the family boot camp episodes of Amanda Loves to Hate Teen Mom with Jody and Amanda. Oh, I haven't listened to them yet. They come out like every two weeks. And okay. I think it is so perfect because it's such a cast of characters. And they both like, because obviously we know Amanda is great at impressions. But yes. then like Jody does this impression of like Amber Portwood's mother. Because it's Amber okay. Portwood and Matt wow. and, and her mother and it's so funny the two of them are so funny and i just i was <laughs> i was dying this episode because they were talking about um there's something that happens in the recent episode with like dogs and jody was saying how like she like, she just like she doesn't like um german shepherds and of course Amanda was like oh they're so sweet and yeah and jody says like i guess one time when she was a kid like a german shepherd like pushed her down the stairs <laughs> <laughs> And of course, and I've just been laughing about this all morning, but then Amanda goes, oh, you think it was premeditated? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, of course. And it just, it, it's just. Amanda I, with the zingers. Right? It was yeah. just so funny. And like, again, you do not need to see celebrity boot camp or family boot camp. I don't think there's a celebrity in it. Um, but it's like Amber and her mother. It's like uh, Renee Graziano or, you know, one of the mob wives. Mm, um, and then like. Oh, what's her name? Uh, Brandy Glanville and like her father. Okay. And so you get a mix of like mob wives, real housewives and teen mom. And so the characters, there's like an old, there's an old mother that they get to play. Like it's, it's such a great cast of voices and you don't need to watch the episode uh, to appreciate as usual. Get the full effect. Yeah. yeah. Is that on Total Request Pod? It's, uh, Is that their Patreon? No, they're or? doing it on Amanda Loves Hate Teen Mom. I don't remember if they're doing it on the oh, free. Cause I have, how am the, I missing all these? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's the free one or the Patreon, but I mean, 
okay. folks listening, subscribe to both. Like it's oh yes, a wealth of content. But I just had I yeah. just it, it's it comes again. They do it like every two weeks. They'll do one of these episodes, and each time I'm like, oh yes, okay, let's mm-hmm. let's catch up with these these. Ooh, I love that these boot campers. So uh, I had <laughs> to recommend that. Um, but anyway, I think it's fair to say that we are being played off. So, yes. <laughs> uh, this has been a hoot and a holler, but it's time for us to go. Um, you know, have, have we done enough? Yes, we have. Um, Ooh, yes. <laughs> um, so that being said, uh, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on the No Good, Very Bad Gay podcast, where I'll be doing my three parts, Life with Judy Garland, Me and My Shadows, uh, for the next three weeks, really. I'm excited for it. Um and they can also find me on Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour talking about All Stars 5. We're near the end. Yeah. It's our short little, short little uh, coming back for All Stars. And then we'll be on hiatus probably again until something else pops up that we're excited about. Um, and you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nick Kochanov. Talk to me about Beautician and the Beast. Talk to me. You can yell at me for, you can yell at both of us for liking uh, Philippa Sue. Yeah. Just a smidge more. It's, it's and, yeah. uh, by the way, too, I think it's a hair. I think it's really a hair. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for it uh, to hear everyone's response to it uh, in a way. I like ruffling some feathers every once in a while because it's unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd hate for this to be yeah. predictable. Um, yes. How about you, Colin? Where can we find you? Well, you can, of course, find me on In the Details, a celebration of nuance. If you want to hear more queening out about acting choices and micro moments, uh, you can find me on All Right Mary talking about All Stars 5 and, you know, Canada's Drag Race. If you want to become a Jujube. Patreon and Jujubee. Um, and uh, of course you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore uh, and then of course if you want to get in touch with both of us in a best supporting capacity you could reach out to us on Twitter at BSA pod uh, yeah, or send us an email at the BSA pod at gmail.com yeah uh, and uh, other than that I mean I think a, a big thank you to God, where do we begin? I mean... Lin-Manuel, Lin-Manuel, Lin-Manuel. Please write, like, six more musicals. Yes. Uh, yes, and keep casting the, these the people. Cast. Yeah, well, we are... Uh, we're waiting, Lin-Manuel. Enough of this Mary Poppins 2 shit. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> and that, as they say, is that. Insert gasp. <gasps> <laughs>